Views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 222 for Thursday, April 3rd, 2014. Our caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, our caller number 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. All right, so we are running a completely new setup this week, so... You got to bear with me a little bit. I see Andrew is uh, telling me to have the light on the Logitech turned on. I'm not actually using the Logitech uh, software, so I better bring that down a bit. There we go. All right. So last week we had a huge amount of problems uh, between switchboard not working, our, our video feed was messed up, you name it, we had it. So we had to kind of work out a lot of bugs this week. And it ended up being a complete wash from in the standpoint of the weekend because I had to actually reinstall Windows from scratch. I got to give uh, an I told you so to Andrew Zarian who told me, he said, dude, you got to reinstall Windows. You can't just swap everything out and expect shit to work. He was a thousand percent right last week. Uh, we got a brand new CPU in here running eight cores. We were only seeing four cores last week. So a whole bunch of stuff was not working. So that's definitely something to take into consideration. This week we are running on all cylinders. As long as Blog Talk Radio doesn't have any problems with um, the switchboard this week, we got a loaded show tonight. Of course, WrestleMania is this Sunday. We got a lot to discuss in terms of the card itself, the Hall of Fame ceremony. You name it, we have to discuss it. And of course, I'm going to be joined by some of the MTR team, including Jay Santi, Captain Quark is going to be joining us, Blade will be joining us in the chat to go over some stuff, so we're going to definitely dig into that tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about this week's MMA news, MMA's been a little quiet, and I want to get into that a little bit, just because a lot of people we that I've been talking to have been saying that MMA's kind of hit um, a bit of a slow point, which is something I definitely am going to discuss, not at length, just something I want to touch on. Also, on the gaming side of things, I know Slick is going to call in to chat about certain things, but um, I think um, he's he just informed me that the call-in 
is not working because why why wouldn't it why wouldn't it work so we'll see what happens with the call in i think i'm gonna try and work out something and see if i can get it to work on our end um if not then i guess we're gonna have issues with the call in again tonight i definitely am gonna need a third uh computer to run skype because clearly uh that's not gonna work hopefully it resolves itself um, we'll see what happens as the night progresses. Thank you, Slick, for the heads up. Uh, the other thing I did want to get into is we got a lot of entertainment news this week, including some stuff uh, regarding Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is going to surely piss a lot of you off, and it's going to raise a lot of questions. It may even fall into some, you know, what-the-fuck movie news, so we're definitely going to talk about that. And, of course, a whole lot more. We hopefully will take your calls. Clearly, I see that we... um. <laughs> We're going to have one of those nights the night before May, you know, the a few days before mania, everything that can go wrong will go wrong, but we'll power through it. Uh, but before we get into tonight's stuff, I want to get into a couple of updates, a little bit of house cleaning. Um, if you guys are friends with me on Facebook, uh, personally, you may have seen a Facebook article I shared with you guys about, um, a lot of the fan page content not reaching everybody. And as it turns out, this seems to be a problem that's really affecting uh, a vast majority of people that have uh, a pretty solid followings on their fan pages. Let's let's say, for instance, you have uh, 2000 fans, right? So you put out an, an update for your 2000 fans. And what ends up happening is out of that 2000 fans, maybe 10 or 20 of them are going to be seeing your updates. So it's something that's really been pissing a lot of people off because Seriously, you're, you're going, you go through all this trouble to build an audience, to cultivate an audience, to build a fan base. And it turns out that you're just, you're just screwed. And, um, you know, for me in particular, it's, it's a little dis disheartening because you got to think, you know, we got all these guys that they come in here and they do all this different stuff. Uh, you know, we share pictures, we share videos, we share, uh, everything and, and as much as possible. And what happens is not all of you guys can see it. You know, you guys think about it. I share an article at 9 a.m. I know a lot of you guys are saying, hey, I'm not seeing an article till 10 o'clock or I'm not seeing an article till 1.30, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, you know, it's pissing a lot of people off, but it's something that is truly, truly unavoidable all the most i can do in a situation like this is try to you know at best use other avenues twitter uh t mostly twitter google plus um trying to do a little bit more on google plus just because that audience is starting to grow and of course we have tumblr which is it's great but tumblr doesn't allow us to interact you know facebook obviously being the end-all be-all seems to be the place where the interaction is most prevalent and of course it's the one where we have to pay to allow people to to get in there and do what we got to do and it's it's really really disheartening i mean right now it, according to what they sent out the algorithm is going to change to where we have about 3000 fans give or take maybe 3400 fans maybe 20 of you are going to be able to see an update any given day of the week it's it's ridiculous. It's it's insane. And I know a lot of you guys, I'm seeing the chat. You guys are really, really, really bummed out about uh, the issues with the calling number. But, you know, it's it's crazy because I see I see Slick is holding. So I'm going to see 
if I can even bring him on. Hold on one second. Slick is holding. So I'm going to Slick. see if I can even bring him on. Hold on one second. Slick is holding. Slick, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Loud and clear. Hello? Yep. See that? I can hear Slick, but Slick can't hear me. So I don't know what the deal is with that, but clearly clearly it's going to be a a, a big-ass problem because that's how it works. What I may probably do uh, before we get into the wrestling segment, maybe I will come out of the switchboard and dial back into the show. Of course, those of you on the Mixler feed are going to be able to, you know, not have any problems. But on the BTR feed, you're going to you're going to obviously have some dead air. So when we get closer to the wrestling segment, maybe we'll try that before we proceed. I know that Jay and a lot of the guys are really bent out of shape and I can't blame them. I will. uh air my grievances with blog talk radio tomorrow but as i was saying the facebook issue is a huge huge problem that's affecting everybody i know guys with with that have put in so much work such a huge following and it's just it's just disastrous and um you know i i really feel bad i feel bad not only for you guys because a lot of you guys are messaging me Hey man, I saw that you put up the trailer this morning, but I didn't see it on my on my fan page or I didn't see it on my notifications and it's it's pissing a lot of people off and I really really can't blame them. The only thing I can attest is to, you know, the only thing I can attest to is the fact that try and follow us on other outlets. Like I said, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. We got accounts all over the place. So, we're going to try and and give other people alternate methods to get our updates because right now like i said we're just not faring well and it's it's really pissing a lot of us off um (laughs) jay says he'd be bent out of shape like if i was tossed in the walls of jericho um slick said that he tried to call in let me try and bring him in again uh before we get into tonight's topics i don't see him in the switchboard yet but as soon as i do we will try and test it once again anyway so Minus the Facebook issues and the hardware issues that we're dealing with, everything else is running on all cylinders. The brand new MTR 5.0 looks ridiculous. Um, you know, we have a we, we, we have some beta testing we've been doing, and I really, really like the way it looks. I think you guys are really going to appreciate it because it's going to be more mobile friendly, more tablet friendly. Right now, it, it you know, the site is good on a mobile standpoint, but it's really just not working uh, the way it should be. And what I'm saying is that it, the site will load and some of you guys are getting a mobile version and some of you guys are getting the full site. And that's, that's a big pain in the ass, but the new version is going to be fully responsive. It's going to work on every device you have. And hopefully it should be, um, should be ready before the month is out. Slick is, uh, sending me a, com- a communique telling me to try it now. I'll call back in. All right. So I'm going to hang up the blog talk radio switchboard. And we're going to see if um, if that works. Hold on one second, guys. All right, so I hung up on the Blog Talk Radio switchboard. I'm going to dial back in now, so you guys are going to hear some dial tones and some bullshit. Again, adjust your audio accordingly. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please enter your host pin. When finished, press the pound key. 
To start your show now, press... Since it appears you're calling back into a live show, we are reconnecting you now. All right, so I got reconnected. We'll see what happens on the Blog Talk Radio side of things. Next week, I'm going to just have a Skype number set up. Slick won't be able to do the screening, but we'll be able to account for situations like this because it seriously is out of, it's out of hand. It's really out of hand. But um, I see John is in here too. You know what's funny? If if um for Quark or any of you guys that are using Skype, maybe you could try and Skype in directly. Um, if you go to the Blog Talk Radio page, it tells you how to Skype in versus dialing in with a phone. You guys may want to look into that just the same. If not, like I said, you know, it's it's out of my hands, and I sincerely, sincerely apologize. I see that Slick is dialed back in. Let me see if he is if he's working. Slick, are you there? I see that Slick can dial back in. Let me see if he's working. Slick, you there? I'm there, but I can't hear you. Yep. Clearly, clearly, clearly the shit's just not, not going to work tonight. So unless I figure something out or unless you guys can send at blog talk radio, some nasty tweets on my behalf, I would sincerely appreciate it. We're just going to have to power through this week's show and, um, you know, We'll take it from there. Like I said, it's, it's out of my hands and I, you know, I really, really apologize because it's, it's frustrating and, you know, you guys don't deserve it, but we'll have a solution in play. Hopefully next week I'll get with, uh, with Andrew and my GFQ colleagues and try and figure some shit out. Anyway, let's get into some MMA because this week's news were pretty paint, not paint by numbers, but it was kind of a, it was a, a bit of a quiet week on the MMA side of things. Just because we've kind of had back-to-back-to-back cards, and while that's good to some degree, all the really great fights, I mean, after that Shogun Hendo fight that we talked about last week, I really just, I felt drained. I was like, damn, I need a break before another card. The next UFC card will be uh, April 19th, and the next Bellator card is going to be tomorrow night. If you want to watch some Bellator fights, that starts on Spike TV, I believe, at 9 p.m., with the prelims, as always, on Spike.com. So let's get into some MMA, shall we? So this past Friday, we had the Bellator event on Spike TV. It was Bellator 114. Um, Alexander Shlomenko defended his middleweight title against Brendan Ward. Uh, Brendan Ward, excuse me, in, in a fantastic fight with a great finish uh, via guillotine choke. I actually caught the tail end of that because of some good old DVR conflicts. You know, you know, you guys get those all the time. But I did catch the Shlomenko fight, and I did catch the Brett Cooper, Kendall Grove fight. Uh, really, really bad loss for Kendall Grove taking the, uh, knockout via punches round two. I was, I was bummed. I mean, Kendall Grove had tremendous stock. A lot of people were really into him, uh, during his UFC run. He seems like a, like a really cool dude, super personable, but unfortunately, it, you know, he's just, he's just in a bad way. He's been having, uh, his career's been kind of up and down, up and down, and, and it troubles me because the guy, like I said, he had, uh, a tremendous amount of fanfare behind him. Everybody was into uh, his his character, his gimmick, the way he he conducted himself. You know, his relationship with Tito Ortiz was a uh, was a factor in his success as well. And everything just kind of went south for him 
and it bums me out because the guy, you know, the guy has a tremendous talent. He's a very talented guy. And unfortunately, he's he's kind of on the tail end. And I'm not a person to sit here and say if and when individuals should retire. But it, it really just was was a nasty loss. Uh, you know, that nasty knockout via punches. But again, we'll see if he can bounce back. I, I mean, you know, Bellator's uh, usually very forgiving, but, you know, he weathered the first round. But to be taken out in the second in such a brutal fashion, it's something that definitely raises some questions. Uh, Henan Burrell will be defending his title on the UFC side of things against TJ Dillashaw. That is the new main event for UFC 173. That's replacing the Chris Weidman, Lyoto Machida bout which was postponed due to Chris Weidman's knee injury. So we got the title fight, Junior Dos Santos and Stipe Miocic. Uh, Takeya Mitsugaki is supposed to be taking on a, an opponent that's to be determined. Um, Tony Ferguson's taking on Katsunori Kakuno, and James Krause will be taking on Jamie Varner. That card goes down May 24th. The Weidman-Lyoto uh, Machida fight will now be taking place during the summer. So that's where we stand with regards to that. I'm a little bummed out, but, you know, the the knee injury that Weidman caught, he did get surgery for it already, so he should be ready to rock and roll for his fight against Machida in July. Hopefully nothing else happens, and we can actually get that fight because the injury bug is once again rearing its ugly head in the UFC, and it's taking out guys left and right. Hopefully we can get to see that fight this summer. Another fight that was announced recently, Francis Carmont will be facing C.B. Dalloway, who's been who's been having a little bit of success as of late in the octagon. It pains me to say that I thought C.B. Dalloway had lost his job. I really thought that he was cut. Happy, happy to be proven wrong, but he will be taking on Francis Carmont, who is 6-0 in the UFC. That's going to be UFC Fight Night 41 taking place May 31st in Germany. On that card, of course, the main event, Gegard Mousasi taking on Mark Munoz. And like I said, Francis Carmont, C.B. Dalloway will be the co-main for that card. Now, one fight that I was kind of, I was hearing different things about, and even now it's not 100% confirmed, is Daniel, Daniel Cormier was originally announced to be taken on Jay-Z Cavalcante. Now, as it turns out, we're looking at DC taking on Dan Henderson at UFC 175. That's kind of the, the really, really strong rumor going around right now. And what they're saying is that that fight, the winner of that fight, of course, will go on to face John Jones. Now, here's a couple of things. Dan Henderson coming off that brutal, brutal war with Shogun where he secured himself a victory uh, with a really with a Hail Mary punch to take Shogun out. We'll be facing uh, Daniel Cormier, 14-0, undefeated. The guy, second fight at 205. He's on a tear. He wants a title opportunity. And I really think that it's going to be this fight is going to be a fight for the ages for a couple of different reasons. Both guys have incredible wrestling pedigree. Add to the fact that both guys have great stand up as well. It's definitely going to be a war. But I think this is going to be the fight where Cormier's chin is going to be tested the most because you're looking at a guy who has devastating knockout one punch knockout power with that overhand right. Uh, Dan Henderson, he has no problem detonating his fist on someone's face. And as much as I like Daniel Cormier, I think that this is going to be the biggest test for him. And it's really going to solidify his, his title aspirations because Dan Henderson is a legend. And every time you think that you could write Hendo off, he comes back in there and he gives you a great performance. But one thing to consider, this fight will be a Dan Henderson without TRT. The last TRT exemption for Dan Henderson was his fight against Shogun. 
no more TRT exemptions. We're going to see if, if Hendo without TRT can defeat the, you know, the, the very dangerous Daniel Cormier. Definitely something to keep an eye out for. And I'm definitely pumped for that fight. Um, another fight that's kind of taken shape, people have been talking about, is Rory McDonald, who everybody feels is the next GSP, taking on Tyron Woodley. Now, I like T-Wood. I think T-Wood is going to be a guy who will get gold sooner rather than later, fighting Kenny Florian 2.0, Rory McDonald. Look, I like Rory McDonald. He's he's a cool fighter, but in terms of just him as as an MMA personality, he really just he rubs me the wrong way, like... Like I said, Kenny Florian 2.0, he's there just being full douchebag mode. And I'm and I'm like, man, this guy sucks. This guy truly and positively sucks. But again, it, you know, it's it's a situation where you're dealing with, um, you know, you're dealing basically with a guy who is full of, you know, he's full of potential. But I kind of feel that he's a little ahead of himself with regards to that. Again, some people feel that this guy is the future of this division. I I don't see that. I think he's good, but I don't think that he's the next GSP. I, I've always felt that that argument was complete bullshit. Another fight to be on the lookout for, Robbie Lawler, Jake Ellenberger. Those two fights, T. Wood and McDonald and Ellenberger and Robbie Lawler, will determine the next challenger for Johnny Hendricks. Obviously, Robbie Lawler had that huge war with Jake El- with um. Johnny Hendricks and he's definitely trying to get back in that title picture I think a fight with Ellenberger will get him closer to that and Ellenberger's no slouch the guy's not a tomato can and I think that is definitely going to be an awesome fight another fight that's also coming together Ryan Bader uh taking on Fajow and the light heavyweight side of things I think that's going to be an awesome fight I kind of want to say that Fajow has the advantage but Ryan Bader has been surprising me as of late so I'm not going to root against him for the time being. Now, one of the things I do want to talk about is uh, the UFC on Fox 11 card. That's, like I said, uh, the 19th at the Amway Center in Florida. Now, Travis Brown is going to be facing Fabricio Verdum. Now, this fight, you're looking at it on paper, and you're like, why should I give a shit about this fight? Why do I care about Travis Brown? Why do I care about Fabricio Verdum? First of all, uh, Fabricio Verdum uh, beat Fedor which is pretty fucking big. Anybody anybody who knows uh, mixed martial arts knows the name Fedor Emelianenko. You know it. It's it's ingrained in your head, uh, whether you're watching Pride Fighting or any of the other smaller promotions or any of the other fights that Fedor's had. You know that Fedor is a legend. And people can say whatever they want about the guy, but he is definitely one of the legends of the sport. And for Fabricio Verdum to tap him out, is is a very very big accomplishment. Verdum incredibly dangerous on the ground. Uh his Brazilian jiu-jitsu is serious business. Travis Brown though, he's got straight knockout power. He's a uh, he's a little bit clumsy when he fights, but he's definitely he's he's a solid fighter. I think him and Verdum are going to go out there. They're going to stand and trade a little bit, but I think Verdum is going to try and get that fight to the to the ground very quickly. I think he's going to try and get him to the ground, tap him out and then try and get himself a title opportunity. Also, another fight to keep an eye on, Liz Carmouche and Misha Tate. Of course, Misha Tate coming off that loss to Ronda Rousey, uh, trying to get herself back into title contention, and this fight is going to be the fight to watch. Now, the problem with this fight 
even though it's a fight that has uh, the potential for fireworks, is the fact that the women's division is starting to show its ass. And when you're when you hear that, you're probably like, "What is Rich talking about?" You know, showing it showing its ass. You're looking at basically a division with eight women, maybe ten at most, and it feels like we're starting to see the same fights, the same fights. Not that not that that's a bad thing because the division has a lot of talented fighters. But it does feel like we're seeing, uh, like it feels like Misha Tate and Liz Carmouche have fought like twice before. That's not the case, but it's starting to, it's really starting to feel that way. And the reason is that they brought they brought Ronda Rousey in. They brought you know uh, top competition, but that's the problem. They're not. There's not enough top competition now. Obviously, the season of the Ultimate Fighter that's coming up with with the 115 pound women, it's great. You know, you you have that division and you're building that division. But Ronda's division is not where it should be. You know, she 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 got past her last opponent. And there's a couple of solid fighters. Like I said, Liz Carmouche, Misha Tate, um, all, all dangerous fighters. But again, any other fighter that gets up there that can't sell a card is just going to make the fights look uninteresting. If Ronda Rousey fights Misha Tate for a third time or a fourth time, it's not, you know... It's going to to really lose its luster. I think it's going to be one of those situations where where it's just going to go out the fucking window, and it's disheartening. But um, it's it's something that we got to deal with. Um, Slick just told me that he is working on a fix for the switchboard. Here's here's what I'm gonna do, and um, this is probably uh a crazy idea, but what I'm gonna do is. I am probably going to disconnect from um, Blog Talk Radio, and I'm going to give you guys a Skype number to call in. The only problem is I can't bring all of you guys in at once, so we're going to have to do them, uh, you know, one, one we're going to have to do one caller at a time, so I know that I'm sure Jay wanted to, to talk with Quark. I'm going to try and bring you guys in piece by piece. Hopefully, it'll work. If not, then... What I'm going to do is, is we're just going to keep, uh, we're going to keep doing it the way we've been doing it for the time being. So what I'm going to do is if you're listening to the blog talk radio feed right now at 1126 PM on Thursday, April 3rd, do yourselves a favor and head over to mtrlive.com and either watch the video feed or listen to the Mixler feed. I'm actually going to hang up the blog talk radio feed and we're going to try and do something a little different. So bear with me while I while I cut this off. Alright, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up uh, th- uh, the following Skype number, which is going to be an alternate, and we're going to try that this evening. So the Skype number you guys are going to try, we're going to use this evening, is the following. 347-535- 0625 again 347 525 uh excuse me 347 we're going to do it that way but what I'm going to do is I got to mute that fucking thing so that the, it doesn't ring while we're doing the show so hold that thought one second all right so we're going to we're going to do it we're going to do it that way we're going to take in the calls one by one hopefully if it rings I'll bring you guys in so some of you guys are going to have to suck it up and deal with the Skype line ringing, so I apologize for that in advance. All right, so besides that, th- those MMA news for this week, 
like I said, the thing that's been bugging me uh, is, and I talked about this with Bloodstain Lane. You guys may know him from previous appearances on the show, but we were talking about that MMA's kind of hit a a big roadblock in the sense of how how popular it is. The popularity's there, but it just feels like the cards aren't as exciting as they used to be. And I kind of also feel that they're not creating new stars. So him and I, we spoke, we were talking about this at length and we, and we did come to the conclusion. He talked about it in his early videos. I can probably go back as far as maybe 2009, 2010, where Bloodstain Lane was saying that the sport is going to hit a plateau and it's just going to coast. And the reasoning is because Dana White is, I, I respect what he's done for the sport. I admire what the guy's done for the sport, but I do feel that he's trying to do too many things at once. He's trying to not only expand the sport into multiple markets, but he's trying to mainstream the sport by any means necessary. And the problem with mainstreaming, not that it's a bad thing, is that you're hitting a point where the sport isn't, you know, it's not picking up as it should. You know, the, the it's it's almost like here's here's the sport and it's going to take off. But it's not going to take off the way it should because we want too much too soon. Like, that's what's happening. It's almost like he wants the NFL level of ex of explosiveness. He wants that big blow up. Um, but the thing is that he's not reaching that other that other section that he has to reach. And what I'm saying is you want the mainstream appeal and that's great. But what's happening is you're losing the edge on what made MMA great. And what I'm saying is you're you're losing uh not the violence, but you're losing the creation of new stars. You're losing the creation of individuals who make people want to tune in. And I think that's the biggest problem. The biggest problem to me is exactly that. You have all these people that they um they say, "Yeah, you know, I like the UFC, but it's not that it's not how it used to be. It doesn't have the same amount of cards. And it bugs me because they're the new stars that they're trying to create. They're not even doing a good job of like, think about it. You have. You got GSP, John Jones, um, Chris Weidman, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen. But what happens is when you look at when you look at these guys, here's what happens. A guy like Chris Weidman, and I've talked about this before, all-American guy, has a tremendous story. Um, you know, he endured the Sandy the Sandy situation here in New York City, and he bounced back from it. He overcame adversity. He defeated one of the legends of the sport. The guy's story is is tremendous. The, the guy's story is something that you can just build off of like this. It's so easy to do. Instead, what we get is, oh, we're just gonna, we're just gonna throw him out there and he's just gonna fight these guys and we're gonna let those guys sell the fights. Instead of letting your champions sell the fights, you're praying that the opponents can make the fights more interesting. Like, him fighting Vitor Belfort was interesting because a lot of people are on the Vitor bandwagon because of the TRT and, and he's, you know, he, he's like super old, but he's super dangerous. Like, people, people hop on the bandwagon like this and then, Chris Weidman, he's just sitting there holding the bag. Now, on the John Jones side of things, John Jones is kind of like he's made himself into the villain of the organization. And to a degree, it's working for him because the organization isn't really trying to promote him as the future. It's not like 
like uh, Nick Diaz or or Chael or Vanderlei or Rampage. I can give you guys a, a list of of fighters that if you look them up, their names are are just synonymous with the sport. Like I said, when I when I when I tell people about MMA, I tell them you got to look up Fedor. You got to look up um, Dan Henderson. You have to look up Shogun. Uh, guys like Tank Abbott. Even in the early days when the UFC consisted of dudes of multiple disciplines fighting in a cage, blood sport style, you were, you were obviously attracted to it because it was super barbaric and not something that you'd see every day. Now you're trying to make the organization a little too corporate. Like it's to the point where, and this is what I was talking about a couple of weeks back. They want to create a uniform. They're going to, you know, go into a partnership with Under Armour or Nike. And what's going to happen is the fighter's going to get a T-shirt and they're going to get their shorts or their or they're going to get their compression shorts or their regular Muay Thai shorts. And then what's going to happen is those shorts are going to have designated areas where sponsors can place their logos, which is insane. So think about this. You're basically taking taking your your fighters and you are cutting their revenue stream. Because what you're doing is these guys, they go, they get five or six sponsors for their shirts, five or six sponsors for their shorts. Maybe they throw a hat on. So, you know, they're getting a couple of different uh, different income streams to, to kind of get things up and running. And what's happening is they're going to tell these guys, you're only going to be able to put two sponsors on your shirt and one sponsor on your shorts. So a guy that was making five or $10,000 extra, maybe $15,000 extra, all of a sudden now is going to make five. And I understand, I understand the situations where guys haven't had the right gear or guys have gotten stiffed by sponsors. But you know what? This, this goes into letting the fighters be individuals. The UFC can become involved in making sure these guys get paid and they can be the security behind that. But you're, you're, you're stripping away what makes these guys unique. If you guys, uh, follow women's MMA, there's a fighter. Her name is Felice Herrig. Um, Felice Herrig is, is super cool and she's a comic geek. And what she does is she goes to the weigh-ins and she has different outfits. Sometimes she'll dress up like Chun-Li from Street Fighter. Uh, maybe she'll be Supergirl, uh, sometimes Ninja Turtles, whatever it is, you know, and it's cool because it's kind of quirky. It's cute, but it, it, le- it, it lets people kind of grow, get a connection. Like you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, she came out dressed like, like Wonder Woman. You know, or she came dressed up like, like Supergirl, like, like stuff like that. It just, it allows a fighter to keep an, an air of personality. You just can't have an endless supply of tattooed, colored mohawk, dude bro motherfuckers. You can't do it. It just, it's not effective. It's not good for the sport. It's not good for, for the fans because the fans can't feel a connection with their fighters. It's like the Diaz brothers. A lot of you guys, when I talk about the Diaz brothers, the first thing you say to me is, fuck those guys. Those guys fucking suck. They're pieces of shit. Whatever the case is, you guys tell me, yo, man, those guys, they're garbage. And that's fine. You know, you're entitled to dislike the Diaz brothers. There's no, there's no issue with that whatsoever. But what bothers me is the fact that these guys, at least they have an identity. They have something, you know, and that's, that, that's what they're known for. Yeah, they're brash. Yeah, they're cocky. But it's, it's, it's their bread and butter. It's what makes them who they are. It's what makes people want to follow them. Same thing with, uh, guys like Chael. You know how many people tell me they hate Chael, 
but they love what Chael does for the sport because he gets people interested, he gets people talking, and that's the most effective thing that he does. Chael will talk himself into any title fight he can because he knows that that's what works. He knows that that's the only way that people are going to tune in and check out what's going on. Otherwise, it's just going to be another mundane fight, another cookie-cutter fight. And it's it's crazy. It really, really is crazy. And I, I feel bad for a lot of fighters that they're going to lose all this money because Dana White wants to mainstream so badly. It, it's really it's really sad. And, and I think that instead of worrying about mainstreaming, how about worrying about getting mixed martial arts licensed in New York? How about that? How about we get MMA in New York? Let's do that. It's like MMA's in Puerto Rico, you know, where I'm from, but it's not here in New York where there's money, where there's opportunity, where there's revenue. No, we don't get that. That's not happening. Instead, what we get is, you know, oh, MMA's expanding here, MMA's expanding there. That's what we get. And it's it's crazy. It is crazy to me. Now, do I feel that the UFC has the opportunity to become, uh, you know, mainstream like NFL, Major League Baseball, et cetera, et cetera. I think they do. But I think that it's uh, it's something that's not going to happen for at least another 10 years. I think right now people are still a little scared of the mixed martial arts concept. I think they're not comfortable with the fact that people are going into a cage and beating the shit out of each other, which is crazy because people watch boxing. You know, people watch boxing and they accept boxing, but it's the it's it's the same thing. Yeah, the gloves are smaller, but the outcome is the same. You're knocking somebody the fuck out. That's it. Now, the one thing that that gets me is even if the sport mainstreams in 10 years, you're going to have your detractors. You're going to have people that aren't that aren't supportive of the sport. And what you got to do with those people is you got to buy them out. You got to buy the politicians. You got to buy all the individuals that that feel that the sport is barbaric you got to convince them via other avenues and sure you can have your 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 paint by numbers guys that you send out there but you need the the ronda rousey's you need the the john jones you need the gsps to sell this organization to make it appealing to the mainstream audience you you know what's not going to make it appealing to the mainstream audience uniforms uniforms aren't going to do a damn thing They're not going to accomplish shit. On the contrary, what's going to happen is people are just going to be sullied and annoyed by the fact that things are so cookie cutter, that things are so paint by numbers. They're really just going to be bent out of shape. They're going to be like, really? All these guys all look the same. They all have mohawks. They all have dyed hair. They all have really crazy tattoos. And it's just an endless supply of them. With the women, obviously, it's a little different. But with the guys, it's true. It's like when you watch a season of The Ultimate Fighter and, and... uh, a guy that I work with, he told me, he was like, yo, it looks like a like a surplus supply store of dudes that I went to college with. Just like 5, 10, 15, 20 guys that that are identical. They're the same. You know, the the dude bros, the dude bro mentality, the, the guys that they go get wasted, get into some bar fights. They talk about that they train UFC, you know, those guys. And it's unfortunate to me because I think that the UFC has the potential to be a top sport in this country, but they're rushing it because they want it so badly. It makes it, it makes it feel like it's desperate and it's, it's truly unfortunate. It truly is. But, um, other than that, 
that's this week's MMA segment. Um, like I said, we're going to try and do some wrestling. So Jay and you guys, when you guys are ready to call in, feel free to do so. I, um, I have the numbers queued in, so we will try and make that work. Anyway, other than that, I did want to let you guys know that this week's MMA segment was brought to you by MMA Warehouse. So if you want any of, uh, any training gear, some of your favorite fighter tees, rash guards, fight shorts, uh, any of that stuff, make sure to check out our friends at MMAWarehouse.com. You can find their banners on MyTakeRadio.com. All right, let's talk some wrestling, shall we? Booker T, take it away. No? No Booker T? We got we got everything broken tonight. Everything. So I guess we got to do it the old-fashioned way. Let's try that again. You want the gold, sucker? Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! All right, so I'm going to crack this monster can because clearly clearly with all the stuff we got going on, a little rage fuel goes a long way. As for our wrestling segment, it is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 on orders of $70 or more, and you can get $10 off an order at WWEShop.com. So take advantage, get your shirts for WrestleMania, hopefully, uh, well, post-WrestleMania, because I doubt you're going to get it in time for Sunday, but definitely if... Daniel Bryan becomes champion Sunday. You're going to want to pick up your Yes Movement t-shirt and a couple of other pieces of swag. So definitely feel free to use that promo code for that. All right. So let's talk about Raw this week, which was. I kind of want to say that I was disappointed with how Raw went down. You're, you're looking basically at the at the go home show. And instead of it being this this crazy you know, spectacle that makes people want to lose their minds. I felt that Raw was a bit of a letdown. I really did. I, I, you know, everybody's like, yeah, but you know, it was the Undertaker, you know, Brock Lesnar got the upper hand. Let's, let's make something extremely, extremely clear. If you've watched wrestling long enough, you know that if the heel gets the upper hand, before the pay-per-view, the face is going to win. It's something as old as, as, as wrestling fandom itself. Most times, the heel gets the upper hand, the face wins at pay-per-view, and that's it. Obviously, it's not set in stone, but we all know that Brock Lesnar is not going to dethrone The Undertaker. It is not happening. You know? Now, the other thing was, I felt that Brock Lesnar's booking for that entire segment was incredibly fucking weak. It was weak. You're taking a guy who was a former UFC heavyweight champion, who was uh, pretty much your your biggest star, and you're making him look like a giant pussy. You really are. I don't care what anybody says. You just made Brock Lesnar look like a pussy with this buildup. You could have done so many things differently. And the other problem with that is that Brock Lesnar is letting Paul Heyman carry the 
carry the baggage this week. And while that is great, it's definitely something that you have to take into consideration. Now, I'm actually, I'm actually, we're going to try something new this week. So hopefully this works and we're going to, we're going to look at the, the opening segment for Raw. And I want you guys to see how piss poor it truly, truly was. Check this out. Let's see if it actually works. Let me pause this video and, uh, big screen. All right. So let's check this out, shall we? 21 men have stepped up. And 21 men have been set down. Now, I do not claim to be better than my victims. But at the showcase of immortals, I will go further than anyone else and that is why the streak stays alive now i'm sure brock lesnar is thinking how am i going to break the streak well brock what you should be thinking about is what's going to happen when I take you out into the deep water and when your feet can no longer touch the bottom, what are you going to do, Brock? Are you going to try and grab me and take me down to the bottom with you? Or are you going to try and turn around and swim back to shore? Brock, every opponent of mine. All right, before I keep playing this, did that make any fucking sense to you? We're going to go into the deep water, and then you're going to try and swim to shore. That absolutely made zero fucking sense. Like, listen to that. Like, I understand The Undertaker's supposed to be this scary guy. He's supposed to be this guy that, you know... Oh, he's, he's going to cut this evil villainous promo. But listen to it. Has made that decision. They have been in the same situation you will be this Sunday. And they tried to swim back to shore. And not one of them have made it yet. Now, I know, Brock, that you're very dangerous. And I know that there are many who think that my time will come. And it's inevitable that the streak will be broken. Yes, we know it's inevitable that the streak will be broken. We sure as fuck know that Brock Lesnar is not going to be the guy to dethrone that streak. Now... As you can see, Brock Lesnar, young Bob Backlund, is not impressed in the least. Let's go to the videotape. Match that Brock Lesnar has to win. This is a match that The Undertaker must not 
lose. Now you can beat on my client with a demon's fury until hell freezes over. But all it takes is one moment. All it takes is one F5. And then three seconds later, your vaunted undefeated streak is over. Ladies and gentlemen, this Sunday, WWE presents to you the most historic WrestleMania moment since Hulk Hogan defeated Andre the Giant when my client, Brock Lesnar, breaks The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. See, Paul Heyman... Paul Heyman is is God tier because Brock Lesnar has to sit there like a giant shaved gorilla. It's not like Brock Lesnar is going to grab the mic and be like, yo, Paul, chill. And he's going to say, listen, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to resurrect you and kill you again. He's not going to do it. That's why Paul Heyman has to make this work because Brock's mic work is shit. Now, we're going to fast forward a bit to this uh, to the beatdown portion because, again, you look at his shirt, Paul Heyman Beast. A beast shouldn't try and set up a guy that he shouldn't be afraid of. Like, think about that. You're taking this guy, and he's make, you made him look like a giant shaved pussy. That's what he is. Check this out. Brock Lesnar's a coward. All right, now, you F5 The Undertaker. First of all, the announcers were complete dickheads for that segment because he they're like, oh, Brock Lesnar's a coward. Look at him, he's a coward. Your job as the announcers is to sell the fact that this guy, former UFC heavyweight champion, considered one of the most dangerous men on the planet, is going to go in there and dismantle The Undertaker. That's what happens. A guy that big, thank you. See, Isaiah said it. A guy that big should not be afraid of The Undertaker. It 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 shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen, at least if you want to do it effectively. And that, my friends, is where it's the problem WrestleMania is. Street, guys. You know, it's like, that's where the problem is. I truly felt that that made, um, you know, it really watered down a segment that is supposed to be the selling point. It's supposed to be, oh man, you know, I gotta pay the sixty bucks, or I gotta buy the network for six months to see this to see this unfold. It's not what we got. What we ended up getting was Brock Lesnar being a pussy, and and just looking really really bad. And the funny thing is, Bleacher Report, Four Eleven, um, Squared Circle on Reddit, everybody's talked about the fact that. The, that this match has the worst buildup on the entire card. Like, it's really, really piss poor. It's really piss poor. And I agree with what Jay said. Jay said Brock should have put Taker in a submission hold and put him to sleep. 
There you go. That's it. You should have done something where people can look at it and be like, damn, maybe Brock Lesnar has a chance. And that, my friends, is where they failed. They failed in not giving Brock Lesnar a, a shadow, a shred of a chance. Nothing. They, they've given him nothing. It's like, oh, you know, Brock Lesnar's this big, jacked, shaved ape that's going to go out there and defeat The Undertaker. That's all they're building on it. They're not building on the fact that the guy, you know, pretty much used a head and arm triangle and choked out an opponent during one of his fights. Or you did, you can't even say that he punched the guy when he fought Heath Herring and the guy rolled across the octagon. You know? You don't, you can't talk about the fact that he disassembled Frank Mir what, during their second fight. Like, that's the kind of stuff you gotta use. That's the stuff you gotta build off of. Instead, what you're building off of is Paul Heyman getting The Undertaker's attention with a chair and then the rest of it just being as academic as academic can be. It was, it was disappointing. It really, really was. Now, our first match of the night was Big E and Alberto Del Rio. Now, on paper, you say to yourself, Hey, Big E, Alberto Del Rio should be a good match. It should be, but what's, what this is uh, allegedly leading to is Del Rio making a run at the Intercontinental title. Now, the reason that I, I have issue with this for a few reasons. Number one, excuse me, Del Rio has zero charisma to sell this feud. You know, you take, um, take Biggie Langston. Biggie Langston, if you follow him on Instagram, you'll see the guy has charisma. He has comedic timing. He has, he has different things that really make him an effective performer. What, what Biggie Langston needs is guys that can bring Excuse me, guys that could bring all of that to the surface. And what I'm saying is, Alberto Del Rio is not that guy. Alberto Del Rio is not the guy to bring that out of him. He's not the guy to bring that to the surface. He's not. Alberto Del Rio's the guy that try, that goes in there to make other guys look decent. And the only reason I say that is because Alberto Del Rio is not an effective ring general. And, and when I say, when I use the term ring general, I'm referring to the guys that it, w- whether it's a promo or, you know, whether it's a promo or even just one match, they can get people talking. They can get people in the zone. We don't get that with these guys. Instead, what we get is, oh, you're going to go out there and have a match with Big E and then we're going to build a feud from there. And that's, you know, that's what bothers me from the sense that you're taking you're taking a guy like Big E who has untapped potential and instead of giving him guys that can bring that potential to the surface you're giving him a bum like Alberto Del Rio and I've and I've had a couple of people say yo man why do you give Alberto Del Rio so much shit the guy comes from a legendary family etc 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 I don't I probably Alberto Del Rio is probably a cool guy he's probably a a, a cool individual but his gimmick is shit. His presentation is shit. The only thing that works effectively for him is that kick in the corner and that what you know, the setup for the cross arm breaker. And even the cross arm breaker, guys don't, not everybody sells that the same. And, and that's a, a separate issue. I just feel that Biggie Langston needs somebody to bring that to the surface. Now, 
before I get into, you know, the, this, this terrible, terrible, terrible Divas match, and there's, there's reasoning why I feel it's terrible, I do have to say this. AJ Lee, even though people love her or hate her, is probably the most consistent part of that Divas division. She's going to go out there and she's going to have a passable match with anybody you put her in there with. And whether you like AJ or you hate AJ, she brings something different to the table versus the other divas. She really does. And people, they're very quick to say, oh, you know, she's only getting that because she dates CM Punk or she's only getting that because people, people, they, they like her independent work. You got to remember anybody that comes into WWE has to unlearn everything that they learned on the independence and then they have to adapt to the wwe style and sometimes that style is not entertaining it's not fucking entertaining it's not there's no better example of that than guys that we've watched on the independence that are amazing that come to tna i mean come from tna or come from ring of honor and then they got to go into wwe and they got to use punch kick punch kick punch kick punch kick that's it. And then maybe a couple of power moves. That's it. These are guys that they have. Like, I'm surprised that Cesaro can use so many of his spots when you know for a fact that some of those spots, they wouldn't, they weren't, they wouldn't let guys use five years ago. Just something to consider. Anyway, this train wreck of a Divas match, the reason it bothers me is because everybody talks about Prissy Hen being this great wrestler or this passable wrestler. And the entire buildup for this match came from an episode of Total Divas. So you're taking your reality television show on E and you're using that now for angle advancement. Any, uh, any, uh, any ounce of believability that that show had just went out the fucking window. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, let's go to the videotape so you guys can check out this travesty. <laughs> Summer Rae and Natalya be a part of that matchup on Sunday. They've obviously got a very personal issue brewing, as we saw earlier on. Look at this fucking bird. Yes. What a slap. Cover, hook of the leg, kick out. So, Vicky, this match on Sunday isn't a personal vendetta then. Of course not. I'm just I'm just playing my role as general manager. And I think you're doing a wonderful job, Mrs. Durant. Oh, where? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, will you guys get a room? You know, we need to stop worrying about AJ. You know, this is an opportunity for all the divas. Yeah, let's talk about Summer Rae and the impact that she's had on that Total Divas show. I mean, you know, she's like a newcomer, that's true, but... Wow, she has set things on fire there. You never know what Natalia's going to do to her. I mean, Natalia's a pretty strong woman. I was surprised Natalia didn't call cops and have her arrested for, like, trespassing and then assault and all this kind of stuff. Natalia took care of it herself. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Maybe she's scared of someone like me. Natalia? Yeah. not scared of anybody, you know, believe me. Oh, Michael, hey. I was the first person that the oh, producers wanted on Total oh. Divas, but I declined. Can you run on people? You decline being on Total Divas. Of course. I have better things to do. Suplex by Natalia. Like run SmackDown, I guess. Of course. And do a wonderful job. I want to see That's right. And I think you look lovely tonight. Oh, this is great. Oh, please. Oh, wow. A little payback. Wow. A little payback. Payback. She just oh. a through. I don't have payback. Ow. That's payback. That's payback. Don't play with me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Natalia. Turner, no. 
Come on, turn that pelican over. Oh, no, here we go. Oh, hey. Summer Ray countering. Summer Ray. It's those dancers' legs. Uh oh. Never underestimate Natalia. Or Summer Ray, for that matter. Her legs, her legs. Summer Ray cover on Natalia, hooking the leg here. Before I play the rest of this video, you know that I always talk about Summer Rae looking like Prissy Hen. And the first and the sound clip is always, yes. Now, if you watch her win celebration, she actually does it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go to the videotape. I think it's a great match, Mrs. Guerrero. Well, thank you, Mr. Bradshaw. As Vicky told us, all 14 Divas will be in the ring at the same time. One fall to the finish in the Vicky Guerrero Divas Championship Invitational Sunday at WrestleMania. Congratulations, Summer Rae. As I was saying, yeah. This is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about, that you're looking at it and you say to yourself, did that just happen? And again, no disrespect to, to Summer Rae. Um, it was, it was, um, yeah, <laughs> it was. And you see, she goes up there. She does the yay. It's at the top of the ramp celebrating. It's like, yo, it, why, why is the bird from Flappy Bird on my television wearing a red dress? Like this giant stork. And, and people don't understand that I kid you not. Summer Rae looks like Prissy Hen. And now that we have the, uh, the ability to share these wonderful images with you, um, come on. Look at that beak. Look at that beak. Tell me that pelican, that giant chicken didn't just wrestle in a match. L look at, look at her. Look. Anybody that doesn't see, <laughs> that does not see Summer Ray right there is, is everybody that, that watches the, sh that listens to the show every week doesn't see the resemblance. So I wanted you guys to see this match and then I wanted to pull this up. You see, even though the lot, the call in number's not working, I do have some tricks up my sleeve. Look at that beak. Tell me that's not Summer Ray. Tell me that's not her. Seriously. Oh, the side by side, John. Probably, well, hopefully, in another week or so. Here we go. Let's. How about that? There we go. Her and her and Foghorn Leghorn. Look, look at that long neck. It's her and Fandango, basically. If you put the furry vest on Foghorn Leghorn, it's the same thing. Here's here you go. There's a there's a better one. Look at that. Look at that face. That that big pelican looking face that she has. It's it's just terrifying. It is terrifying. And like I said. We joke up, we were joking about this last week and, and slick and, and a lot of the guys, they had a lot of laughs about the fact that what passes for divas nowadays is way beyond what we were looking at when, when we were watching wrestling during the attitude era. Like it's, it's, it saddens me that that's what we have to look forward to. But yeah, you know, I said to myself, once we get the video and everything working and I can share this stuff with you guys, I wanted to share that Prissy Hen photo because nobody understood the reference. A lot of guys were like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Well, now you fuckers see it. Now you see that she looks like a giant chicken. Sorry, but that's it. I like that Jay puts hashtag dead. <laughs> 
Thank you for that, Jay. Thank you very much. Anyway, once we got past that travesty of a, of a Divas match, we did get a solid outing from the Usos and Los Matadores against uh, the Real Americans and Rybaxo. Now, of course, there's there's a couple of things. The Real Americans, their breakup is inevitable. It's going to happen. Now, when you're looking at Rybaxel, you you realize that they that these guys were thrown together and they have accomplished jack shit. It that that's really it. They've accomplished nothing. And I feel bad because these guys they, you know, Ryback is is a solid big guy. The guy he he can go out there and he can have a decent punch kick punch kick match with with anybody. It's you know, it's it's pretty paint by numbers. I feel bad for for Curtis Axel because he's kind of just stuck in this this really really cumbersome gimmick in the sense that you can't just use your father as your gimmick because they already ruined it by making you Michael McGillicuddy. Making you a Heyman guy was effective, but then you guys decided that that wasn't worth it. But again, the match itself was very good. I think the the Usos definitely have great chemistry with the Real Americans. There's uh there's tremendous there's tremendous possibility there for a long feud even though you're the Real Americans are inevitably going to break up. I think the Usos and the Real Americans can give us some solid solid matches. Uh the Road Brother the Rose Brothers were in tag team action. They took on Fandango and Damian Sandow. Damian Sandow how the mighty have fallen um just here's a guy on the verge of money in the bank ready to to make his his push towards the mid card and then he just tumbled it, it, it was like he got it was like the guy in 300 that got kicked into the pit that's Damian Sandow he got to the top of the mid card ready to make the jump and then management just kicked him back down and i feel bad for the guy because Sandow's a very very solid wrestler and and it's funny because you put him in there with a guy like Goldust and Goldust was was really schooling him as well. The only guy that seemed out of place there was Fandango, only because the chemistry just wasn't there. It was a very disjointed match. Again, something definitely was off. Now, Sandow, hopefully, it you know, post-Mania, we can see where we're going to go with that. But I, I kind of feel that in his case, Sandow's case, he's just going to be stuck in the mid-card until they figure out what to do with him. Now... Right after that, we got an awesome promo from The Shield, which I am shocked that they did not have on YouTube. I felt that their promo was was fantastic leading up to um, Kane, you know, to the match with Kane. Anybody that couldn't figure out that Roman Reigns was going to win that match, you guys just, just don't watch wrestling enough. Um, R-Truth and Bray Wyatt, R-Truth pretty much played the role of Sacrificial Lamb. I felt bad for R-Truth because, again, another another solid hand, but he's just relegated to being in Shitsville. The only good thing out of that entire match was the ending where Cena used his his psychology and, and the mind games to quote-unquote gain the upper hand. If you want to call putting on a sheet mask and standing, standing behind Bray Wyatt um, gaining the upper hand, then sure. But again, once again, it just felt off. It did not feel as effective as it should have been. Now, it was, it was a special night because we got two Divas matches. We got that train wreck with Natalia and, and, and Prissy Hen. And then we got AJ and Naomi in a, in a Lumberjill match, which 
was actually surprisingly good. And I was trying to see if they had video for that, but they're not sharing all the videos this week. But it was it was good. I liked it. I definitely felt that that match really gave us a little bit more of Naomi. It kind of made Naomi look like she she could take the championship from AJ. Now, of course, the the thing with that is that putting the belt on Naomi is is probably the right thing to do because if you want to go that route, you're you're gonna you're gonna be able to do something with her because you you're putting the belt on an African American. As much as people don't want to talk about what I've always said about racial overcoats, putting the belt on Naomi makes, you know, it 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 pushes things in in a different direction. It starts showing, you know, the strong empowered african-american female that doesn't have the twerking gimmick because don't get me wrong them coming out there and twerking every week you know it's great and all but it's not it's not accomplishing anything it's not doing any character advancement and if you're looking at the funkadactyls from what they can bring to the division the only one that you can really build it around is naomi that's 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 pretty much it you know i think i think um it's it's just it's something that if they drop the belt from AJ to Naomi, it wouldn't look as bad as dropping the belt to one of the Bella twins, because then at that point it would, it would at least, it would at least work. That's all I'm saying. It would definitely work. Now with regards to Kane and Roman Reigns, I I did want to kind of show this match a little bit because I felt that this match had a lot of great spots, but the only thing that bothered me in this match is that Kane just seemed, usually Kane delivers some really, really solid matches. And he felt like, it felt like Kane wasn't on running on all cylinders. Now, I could be wrong, but I did, I did feel that something was lacking, especially when you have a guy like Roman Reigns who, you know, they're kind of building this guy like he's the future of this business. And to a degree, I kind of have to give credit to what Jay says that, you know, Roman Reigns, he's all right, but there's he's not he's not at that same level that a guy like Ambrose and Rollins is what in Roman Reigns's case once the match goes past three or four minutes you start seeing some of the flaws in his offense like he's starting to develop his spots but you start seeing holes in his game that's not to say that he can't improve and he can't be better but there's definitely things there that you can see are a little off but you know what don't take my word for it check this out we're going to see who the opponent for Kane is going to be tonight. Is it Seth Rollins? Is it Dean Ambrose? Or is it Roman Reigns? A drum roll, please. Whoa. There's your opponent, Kane, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns had an incredible loyal rumble match a little bit earlier on this year. As Kane now is sidewalk slam. Over 40% of the competitors were put out by one man, Roman Reigns. He has set a record of 12 eliminations, breaking the record of 11 set by that it's man, to be Kane, short. back in 2001. Hey, this has been domination by Kane. Yeah, it's not going to be good for Roman Reigns. Not at all. Kane's over the choke slam. Oh, no. Trying to send a major statement headed into hey, hey, Sunday. Hey, look, look at this. this. Cannot believe that Roman Reigns had the strength to break that grip. I on can't his either. Oh, man. <laughs> Let us listen to Roman Reigns. This guy is amazing. It's incredible, isn't it? Oh. 
Kane dropping it to his knees. Ronald skated at him. He won't be speeching death, he'll skate at him. Maybe having second thoughts about this. Look at this. Oh boy! Oh! Nobody does that. And there's a reason. Roman Reigns is the only one capable of doing it. You know what's coming. You know what's coming. Get ready. Don't tell Kane, okay? I want this to be a total surprise. I can't say this is a surprise. The New Age Outlaws. Roy Dunn and Billy Gunn. Hey, and it is from behind Seth Rollins and Ambrose. The Shield saw was coming, and the House of Justice now attacking the Outlaws. Here comes that ass whooping. They know where to go. The Shield's got him surrounded. Things have gone from bad to worse for Corporate Kane here. Whoa! And now the Hounds of Justice. And Ambrose said earlier tonight that Kane disrespected the Shield. Kane catching that ass whooping academically as usual, which again, you know, it's it's to be expected. Um, the thing that gets me with this match. Like I said, it's just it felt like something was amiss. Now, the the spots were solid, but it something was lacking. Something was really out of place. I can't really put my finger on it. Maybe just Kane was having an off night, but it really just seemed it it didn't seem as effective as I would have liked to have, you know, as I would have liked to have thought. But again, you know, it's the build up for Mania. I wanted I wanted something more. Unfortunately, that was not the case. Now, the the Piper's Pit segment was it was a a crazy just train wreck of bullshit. But here's the funny thing: why doesn't the Big Show just come out to the Andre the Giant Battle Royal with an Andre the Giant wig and the Andre the Giant singlet and just compete as Andre the Giant? Remember when the Big Show used to dress up in all those stupid costumes? At least if he came out dressed like Andre. It would look, it would look kind of cool. He comes out with his stupid camo singlet, which makes no sense whatsoever. I have no idea why he ever puts camo on his singlet for. It looks stupid. He should just come out with a plain black singlet like Andre the Giant in honor of Andre the Giant and compete like that. I think it would look cool and I think it would really get people talking because they'd be like, hey man, you know, that's a nice little, a nice little uh, subtle nod to the late great Andre the Giant. I thought I thought it was it was definitely very cool if they would have done that. The thing, yeah, he, exactly. Jay says show is gonna come out with a big frizzy Jufro. Yes, yes, he should. He should come out with the big hello. You know, he should just come out dressed like Fezzik from the Princess Bride. He should just he should just do that. Just come out, uh, have Mandy Patankin dress like Inigo Montoya. Get Wallace Shawn to come out. Inconceivable. And the Big Show just comes out. They hit the Big Show's music. It, it would be hilarious. It would definitely be hilarious. But uh, a couple of things. They sent us, they did send us home happy with the way Raw ended. I did feel that that was a good way to send everybody home uh, for WrestleMania. But there were things that could have been done better as a whole. As for the ending of Raw, I'm going to let you guys check it out because th- Daniel Bryan solidified that he owns the fucking crowd. Period. 
Not Randy Orton, not Triple H, Daniel Bryan. Check this out. Show me the animal. Show me the animal. Come on. You want to see the animal? Show me the animal. That's it. That is it. I still can't figure out why you're baiting these guys. That's the animal. You can't, That is Michael? it right there. Well, why, I thought you were smarter than that. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, guys. Why would he want to be in a ring with these two like this on Sunday if he, if he beats Daniel Bryan? He's not in the ring with him right now. That's finish right, it off, Dave. Not. Come on, finish it off. Oh, oh my gosh. Wow. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. Better than any motivational speaker I've ever seen. It's just, this just shows you how much these guys want to get in the ring with me. I, I can see that. This is Monday Night Raw. We are live tonight in Washington, D.C. 15,000 plus. Our main event, no disqualification. Batista versus Orton. The authority, Triple H and Stephanie with us at ringside. I remember at one time, this was the main event of WrestleMania. But now... Uh-oh. Triple H will be joining once he beats Daniel Bryan. Here comes in. And I, I, Steph, I hate to be the one to suggest just that the fear of some sort of reprisal, but it may be. Well, then don't suggest it may be Daniel Bryan in that Randy Orton It's just, it's just laughable. I mean, have you seen the size of Daniel Bryan? He is tiny next to Triple H. It's, it's, oh, it's a no contest, really. Well, I actually feel what, sorry what, for what him. about so that old expression? So, it's not the size uh, of the dog in the fight. So then why are you having yeah, the match? Old, it's an old expression. That, that's a good oh. saying. Why are you having the match? That's exactly all it is. Why don't you just move on to the main event then, Triple H Sunday? I mean, why bother? We will. Come here! The world wanted it. He asked for it. I'm giving it to him. Randy Orton. This is it. Oh! This is it. This is the Viper. That is it. This is what I'm talking about. Stephanie McMahon is the fucking worst. These guys are going to town. These guys are doing it. Kicking it.
There you go. Hit him with the kendo stick. What an ass whooping, ladies and gentlemen. What an ass whooping. And there's the shot, ladies and gents, to close it out. There you go. As you can see, as you can see, the ending was giving the fans what they want. But there's a couple of things. There's definitely, you know, there's a couple of things with this that we're going to discuss. Um, Jay, I want Jay to try and call in first. Uh, use this call in number. Quark, Jay, make a note. Uh, the call in number you guys are going to use 347-535-0625. Jay, you're going to call in first, then I'm going to conference Quark in and bring Quark in afterwards, and we're going to try and do it like that so we can wrap up the wrestling segment and we can talk about this week's Raw, plus we can go into WrestleMania 30. So, um, of course, definitely, uh, Jay, feel free to call in whenever you're ready. Like I said, Raw, and, and this is what I was saying. Oh, there we go. Jay, shut that, shut Hello. that speaker off. Jay, Hello? shut that speaker off. Ready? Hello? Yeah, you ready? Hello? Yeah, you good? Oh, clearly not. Clearly, clearly nothing is working. <laughs> <laughs> clearly clearly nothing is working so jay try and call in again this is uh this is what we got on deck tonight ladies and gents that kind of stuff jay you there hello yeah no nothing Yeah, clearly, clearly this is not working. Clearly, clearly it's not going to work for Jay. Jay says that he has no audio for me. Huh. Very, very interesting. Now, ugh, see, this is, this is the kind of bullshit we got to deal with. Oh, man. All right. I think, um, you know what, Jay, hold on a second. Quark trying to. Uh, Try and dial in. Maybe we'll see if I have better luck with you. Maybe that'll work. If not, we're gonna we're gonna have to come up with something else. Ridiculousness. Ridiculousness. Anyway, so while Quark tries to get his dial in squared away, um, I did want I did want to talk about and. Oh. Quark. Yes. No. Quark, are you there? No. Clearly not. 
clearly Quark is out of action too. Well, that was a uh, big clusterfuck of failure. Uh, the only other thing we can try maybe is is the Blog Talk Radio number again. So I'm going to dial into Blog Talk Radio. Let's see if this shit actually decides to work. <laughs> it's It's one of those nights, guys. Hold on a second. I got a lot of video editing to do, clearly. All right. So clearly, clearly that's not working the way it should. Um, it looks like they dialed me back in. I'd like to think, uh, if not try the, uh, three, four, seven, three, two, four, three, five, four, one number. Maybe they finally fixed the switchboard. If that works, um, you know, maybe we'll figure that it's what a, what a night guys. (laughs) Holy shit. Oh man. And, And no, and the worst part is it's just, Nothing, nothing wants to work the way it should. Not blog talk radio, not nothing. On the bright side, at least the video stuff is working. So I'm kind of pumped for that. I'm pumped that the video stuff is working because at least I we can do the video clips. I did want to show you guys some trailers and stuff. So we're going to be able to talk about that. Um, let me get this blog talk radio shit board uh, set up again. Hopefully it'll work. If not, then, you know, we're going to have we're going to have problems. I see Slick is in there on the switchboard, so maybe, maybe, actually, Slick, if you're there, I'm going to try and and clip you and see if it works. Slick, are you there? Can't hear you, man. Nope, nothing? At all. I hear nothing. Oh, there you go. Slick can't hear me, so, yeah. I don't know, I don't know, (laughs) I don't have any other fucking answers for you guys. I, I, I am... (laughs) <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. So you know what we're going to do? We are going to just have to use the chat. We're going to have to play it by ear. And you guys are just going to have to contribute chat wise. And we'll take it from there. Otherwise, um, you know, Jay says, let me call your cell and put it on speaker. You know, that that's a hmm. I, I would have actually done that, but that's just going to sound so shitty, dude. So amateur hour. Actually, you know what? I have, I have an idea. Hold on one second. Jay, you might be on to something. Let's see if this works. Again, no promises, but let's see if this works. Well, I was going to try and plug in my cell phone, but I thought I don't have any... I don't even... I have any wires that fit this shit because that's that's the kind of night we're having this mm, nope not working <sighs> nope none of those are gonna work none of those are gonna work um a thirty four eighty two I could skype but the problem is that it's just the feed is these guys are dialing in through Skype, and for some reason, it's just not coming through. I can hear them. They can't hear me. I don't know if it's... I doubt it's our it's our mix-minus setup. I think all of that is set up fine, but clearly something else is amiss. So, you know, for the time being, we're just going to have to power through it until we can figure it out. Some things work, some things don't. Anyway, but I will say this. Uh, <laughs> I love... Oh, Quark. Get out of here. 
before we get before we get into WrestleMania, which you know we're gonna have to discuss at length in the chat, I do I do want to get into one thing. If you are using the WWE Network, and this happened to me this week, your free trial should have expired. And if it didn't, and you're running a free trial, you may have gotten billed for it already. So I recommend you guys definitely check to make sure that you're not being double billed because I received a, an email earlier this week and it was pretty much telling me, Hey, we apologize for double billing you, but we double billed you. And the thing is that, and, and this is what bugs me that there's a lot of bugs still being worked out with the WWE network. And the double billing is something that while it's not the end all be all, it's something that's going to cause a huge, huge issue. And the reason I say this is, think about, think about WrestleMania Sunday night. WrestleMania Sunday night is going to be packed to the gills with people logging onto the network. I don't have a problem being double billed. I could give two shits. The bigger problem is going to be the fact that you're going to be possibly booted off if the network can't support everybody jumping on at once. And we were, we were talking about this at work today at my office and we were saying like, yeah, you know, the network is running and everybody's jumping on board and everything is running smoothly. But WrestleMania, you got to think about this. You pay $60 in advance for the network for six months. Everybody's going to jump on that because they're going to take advantage of all the other programming that's at their disposal. So what will happen is that night, Sunday night, everybody's going to jump in one shot. It's going to be a huge amount of bandwidth that they're going to jump in with. And and the problem with that is that you're re really, really, really going to be concerned with, you know, you have to be concerned with that. We were talking about it because think about it. You have your PlayStation 3, you have your Xbox 360, PS4s, Xbox Ones, tablets, mobile devices, you know, and, and to to take a, a, a page out of what Jay said, the test run is going to be the Hall of Fame Saturday because that's going to be run, that's going to be broadcast in its entirety. But the thing that gets me is that the Hall of Fame, yeah, it's going to have a decent amount of people and you're going to be broadcasting for about three hours. But the WWE Network, I remember when they started doing UFC pay-per-views on Xbox Live and I tried to order some pay-per-views through Xbox Live and either the system would crash or there would be too much traffic. Different things would affect it. Slick can vouch for that because Slick was here one night when we tried to do that. And it just, it just did not work. It did not work at all. Uh, what they ended up having to do was they had to credit me and we didn't get to watch it. I mean, it, with Ring of Honor, Invicta, whenever you order like an iPay-Per-View and you lose out on it, whatever, they credit you back. But with the network, you guys know that when the network came out, people were bitching because they weren't able, they weren't even able to get on the network the first day. And Twitter and Facebook was just full of, 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 you know, pillow ass complainers. Oh, the network isn't working, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I really just don't want to have to hear that Monday. So let's, let's, let's be realistic here. I, I pray I knock on wood that everything is going to run smoothly, but there might be a possibility that there may be some issues, you know, now, of course, replay, et cetera, you know, Quark said it, as long as it pops up on replay, then we're good. Me personally, the network, here's here's how it works. When I'm logging on for the network, what I get is I get a feed, my Xbox 360 feed 
doesn't doesn't work as well as my PlayStation 3 feed. I can tell you that right off the bat. Uh, my mobile stream, you know, I have a uh, Samsung Note 3, and, you know, there's pretty much a, a small television at this point. Um, the, the stream for that is pretty good. Like, I've, I've been able to use that with LTE and three bars, and the picture quality is good, and it loads very well. On Xbox 360, though, there's definitely a lot more problems. Definitely a lot more problems on the 360. Even the way that the programming and the chapter selection are, they're, they're definitely works in progress. But WrestleMania, it's it's going to be big, you know. It's going to be big, and the and the probability of there being a problem, it's there. And I just want to let you guys know in advance because I know a lot of you guys. You guys are, um, I I, I want to say you guys are pretty, you know, fair fair weather, you know. That you guys can, if there's a problem, you'll wait, you'll try to reboot, whatever. You'll deal, you'll deal with it, and you'll accept it. But some people, they, um, <clears throat> you know, they 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 jump on Twitter immediately to complain. If you go on WWE Network's Facebook fan page, you would be shocked to see some of the complaints. Oh, why can't I fast forward? Why can't I rewind? Why don't you have this pay per view? Why isn't this match there? I kid you not, if you go to the WWE Network Facebook fan page, you can have a field day with some of the commentary that's there. Why can't I fast forward? Why can't I rewind? Blah. It's, it's absurd, the level of bitching that there is. But you know what? Besides that, I want to, I want to get into the, get into the matches themselves. So we got a couple of matches. First and foremost, the WrestleMania kickoff match is going to have the Usos. Uh, Los Matadores, The Real Americans, and Ryback and Curtis Axel. Fatal 4-Way for the tag team titles. And they did the test run for this match Monday night. Obviously, that's what that was. Now, I think the Usos are definitely going to retain. Even though Los Matadores, they have, they have, you know, they have the, the clout. And, you know, obviously, with Carlos Colon going into the Hall of Fame, it's a, it's a nice way to kind of bring that full circle because they actually acknowledge that Los Matadores are related to Carlos Colon, which was which was a classy move. But I think that may happen because it it, it may you know it might be just a way to to kind of put the icing on the cake for Carlos Colon going in the Hall of Fame. Now, if the Usos retain, let's think about this. If the Usos retain, they have ample they have ample opportunity to have some really great matches, not only with the Real Americans. But with Cody Rhodes and Goldust, um, you could do another run with Rybaxel. Maybe you could bring up the Ascension finally from NXT, and we could start getting some matches. If you're gonna build a tag team division, I, excuse me, I think the Usos are probably gonna be the most effective guys to use for that. Whether they retain the belts or not remains to be seen. Now, let's get into the Shield, Roman Reigns. Uh, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose facing Kane and the old age outlaws. Now, even though I make fun of the old age outlaws because obviously they're old as fuck, they can still get the job done in the ring. Not so much Road Dog, but definitely Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn is the workhorse of that group. Um, I do feel that the sh- I do feel that there is a possibility the Shield will lose, and what's going to happen is the Shield is going to lose. And Ambrose and Rollins are going to turn on Reigns, and that's going to be that. Because the uh, the plans, from what they've been saying, is that they're going to push Reigns as a face, and then Rollins and Ambrose are going to be a heel tag team. Either way, 
I think that the match itself is going to be a tremendous match. All, all those guys work very well together. But if you think for one second that the Shield breaking up is not in the cards, it's, it's going to happen. And not for nothing, I think that doing it at Mania is just a big, a big moment when they do that. You know, the, the, the Shield, they have uh, awesome matches, tremendous matches, but I think they're starting to realize that they can do a lot more with them separate. And it's true because think about it. You can feud these guys with every uh, three-man team in the organization, whether it's the Wyatts or any other organization you put together. The, the fact of the matter is that at the end of the day, once you run the course of those three-man feuds, you have to start working on going to the next level. Me, personally, I think Reigns as a, as a single star, it's going to happen, but I don't think that it's the right time for him to branch out because, like I said when I showed you that match with Kane, there's still certain things that are missing. It's different with a guy like Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins is an established performer. He's wrestled in, in, in different organizations. He, he's a little bit more seasoned. Same thing with Dean Ambrose. And I like that Jay brought up C. Titus O'Neil. Titus O'Neil asked to, asked for the singles push and his singles push has been shit. His singles push has been garbage here. And, and the funny thing was when they did that Piper's pit segment, um, you know, his tag team partner, he ran out there. Chaco Cena ran out there and he had a no hate sweatshirt on. And I saw it and I was like, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. But then I thought about it and I said, WWE is going to make this guy like the flag bearer for, you know, gay, lesbian, bisexual and transgender individuals. Like they're going to milk that for all it's worth because he came out in the no hate sweatshirt, which was cool. Again, I mean, if CM Punk could come out with a Caesar Gracie jujitsu sweatshirt, Darren Young is entitled to come out with a no hate sweatshirt. But it just you can you I have this nagging suspicion that WWE is going to try and leverage that into some, you know, into some some bullshit ass agenda. Instead of just letting the guys go out there and wrestle, you're going to try and jump in and and make this bigger than it is. And that's kind of my, my, my concern with, with Darren Young. It's like, listen, I commend the guy for being in a, in a male dominated sport and, and, you know, openly coming, coming, coming clean with his sexual preference. Whether there's backlash or not, who knows? But I do feel that you shouldn't take that, the guy's personal lifestyle and craft that into a gimmick. You know? I don't, I don't, I don't feel that that's something that's effective in my opinion. Darren Young has, has true potential. The guy, he's a, he's a solid worker. He has, he has a cool look. You, you could put him in a tag team with John Cena. It would be hilarious. But besides that, I just feel that don't take his real world issues and make them into a gimmick. If you guys were following TNA in, uh, you know, a couple of years back, Orlando Jordan went to TNA. And Orlando Jordan is bisexual, so they actually made a gimmick out of him being bisexual. He had a male valet and a female valet, and <clears throat> that ended with uh, the male valet have it getting into a fight with a drunken Ric Flair, which was pretty fucking funny. But the thing that gets me with that is that you made that a gimmick, and it just worked terribly. It looked awful. It really was. Orlando's gimmick was 
there were so many things wrong with it. And TNA's like, yeah, man, this is going to work. It's going to be effective. I remember that the late Chris Canyon, he was saying that, you know, he wanted to make a gimmick out of his lifestyle, but he wanted to do it in a positive way. And they said that, you know, that they didn't want to do that gimmick because it was too, it was too risque, too over the top. And, you know, Chris Canyon, they said that he really took that hard, especially because he felt that that was going to be his, his opening to get back into the spotlight. Now, Darren Young, he's a, he's a young guy, and I don't feel that that using his gimmick as a crutch is going to do him any favors. Why don't you just let the guy be successful or not be successful on his own terms? You know? And it's, it's crazy. Jay says, I wanted to take a bath after I saw Orlando Jordan's gimmick because I felt dirty. And that's exactly it. Like it was too over the top. And, and, and we were, we were reaching a, a, a point in wrestling where you couldn't really do that stuff anymore without people really raising an eyebrow. And that's kind of what it was. You know, it, it John says, Darren Young solo, tens of dollars, tens of dollars. And that's the problem. Titus and Darren Young together were were perfect. Now it's like Titus O'Neil is floundering and Darren Young is just in mid-card hell. Listen, there's always guys that succeed as a tag team that you should never break up. It happens. There's guys that are going to remain lifelong tag team partners. You know whether whether it's the Steiner brothers or the Legion of Doom, yeah, they went solo once in a while or the Dudley boys, but at the end of the day when they worked together, they were effective. The Dudley boys are a poor example because, you know, Bully Ray is 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 killing it in TNA. But think about when they broke up the Legion of Doom. I think that's a great example. When you broke up the Legion of Doom, it was it was, you know, it just looked odd. Same thing with the Hart Foundation, but Bret Hart, you know, he kind of, he, he did pick it up, but it's true. They were tag team partners for years. Another, another tag team that we can talk about, Demolition. Demolition were together every time I saw them. Very rarely did I see those guys perform in singles matches. Always in tag team, in tag team matches. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't always have to do the typical tag team, break them up see which guy is the better guy, and then move it from there. You don't always have to do that. I think that that's something that's so ingrained in WWE's DNA that you're, you're going to lose that, you know? And that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to break up every tag team. Like, think about it. Let's take the Usos, two brothers. They're twins. If you break up the Usos, who's going to be the breakout star? Because they look the fucking same. Like, I'm, you know, it's a crazy example, but think about it. You break up the Usos, which one are you going to push? Because out of those two guys, one guy doesn't outshine the other. And that's what I felt was the same thing with the primetime players. Yeah, Titus O'Neil, he was a bigger guy, but he he never outshined Darren Young. I always felt that together they amounted to more, you know? Jay says the Usos better keep each other alive because once one is done, it's over for both. <laughs> Sad but true. But seriously, like think about it. You break these guys up, and neither guy, neither guy is being effective. Crime Time is a perfect example. Props to John Blade for that. Think about it. Crime Time 
Everybody said, oh, we're going to push Shad Gaspard because he's the bigger guy. Yeah, you push Shad Gaspard, and what did they do? They pushed Shad Gaspard right out the fucking door. That's what happened to Shad Gaspard. He got pushed out the fucking door. That was it. There was no, oh, you know, we're going to try and, and we're going to do this and we're going to try and do... No, it was, we're going to break you guys up and it's going to work. And then, you know, maybe we'll let you go. Maybe, maybe we'll let you go and you guys can work solo matches. And it just doesn't work. Look at JTG. First of all, JTG having a job is crazy enough. But the fact that JTG doesn't even show up on television is insane. You know? Quark says Darren Young is the Marty Jannetty to Titus O'Neil, Shawn Michaels. That That's an interesting way of looking at it. And I'm glad Quark brought that up, but... Shawn Michaels had the charisma. He had everything about him. Titus O'Neil's gimmick just, it, it's, it's not effective. It's not like, think about Titus O'Neil solo. He comes out there, he does the bark, but that's it. That's really it. Like Titus O'Neil minus the bark is just, you know, a, a guy that used to be a football player. Like that's, that's the thing that gets me. Like you, you hear that. And you say to yourself, okay, great. You know, Titus O'Neil is running solo, but he's running solo for what? Like, he doesn't even have any direction, which is crazy. But again, this is, this is creative working creatively. Now, let's, let's get into this Vicky Guerrero Divas Championship Invitational. Now, it's 14 Divas, single fall match for the WWE Divas title. There's no over the top. There's nothing. It's it's pretty much all of you are going to go in the ring. There's going to be hair pulling everywhere. And the first person to get a pinfall wins. Now, my money is on AJ finding a way to sneak out of that match and keep the belt. That's, that's, that's what I see happening. Now, if AJ loses the belt, it doesn't make her look weak. Because think about it. There's 14 other divas there. 14 Divas, so if she loses, she can lose without even getting pinned. So, out of out of all 14 Divas, the smart money, in my opinion, is to give the belt to Naomi. Like I said, African-American champion, it looks good for, for from a mainstream standpoint, and she's a solid worker. Giving the belt to the Bellas is a recipe for disaster. What, because they got the show? Fuck out of here. Maybe you could give the belt to Natalia, but the problem with Natalia is that she's stuck in the gimmick of being like, you know, the the mother diva. Like, think about it. She really is like the oldest diva there in terms of career. She's been there the longest and, you know, you see her there and she's, it's like maternal. It's like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, like giving it to her, Nothing good is going to come from it because everybody knows that she's leaps and bounds ahead of every other diva that's there. So it's not going to accomplish shit. With Naomi, you can have um Naomi and Cameron break up because Cameron gets jealous that she's champion. You can have matches with all the other divas and it's a fresh set of matches. I think it would be more effective going that route than, you know... That, you know, Jay says Natalia has become the fabulous moolah of this time. It's, it's a crazy analogy, but I, I, I can give that some, some merit. It's true. She's, she's pretty much the matriarch. 
John says Tamina wins and feuds with AJ. Now that would be a shocker only because Tamina's ring work is 50-50. She has her good days. She has her bad days. That's all I'm saying. Me personally, I feel that AJ is going to squeak it out. I do feel, uh, I, I put it like this. I got to play devil's advocate. AJ squeaking it out or Naomi getting the bit, the belt and building that division around her. Those are the only two options in my opinion. Now, if I'm wrong, obviously, you know, and, and, and it goes, <laughs> wow. Jay Santi, Alicia Fox wins because she's blowing Michael Hayes, but Michael Hayes is racist. <laughs> Quark, Quark has a great answer. CM Punk GTS is Naomi to help his fiance get the win. Bravo, sir. Bravo. That would be ridiculous. That would be some Raven ECW level shit, but it would be ridiculous. But again, 14 Divas, single pinfall. It's only being done because they don't want to make AJ look weak. So if she loses the belt in a fashion like this, it won't hinder her in any capacity whatsoever. Now, with regards to the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, now here's here's a here's a match that is very, very interesting, and I'll tell you why. There's supposed to be 30 spots, right? Well, I've heard there's supposed to be... No, no, no. Is it 30 spots? I think it's 30 spots. But anyway, I want to bring this up because here's here's the crazy thing. Here are your, here are the participants for this match. Dolph Ziggler, Big E, Fandango, Alberto Del Rio, Damian Sandow, Titus O'Neil, Christian, Seamus the Big Show, Mark Henry, Heath Slater, Jinder Mahal, Drew McIntyre, Cody and Goldust, Kofi, The Miz, Brodus Clay, Darren Young, Justin Gabriel, Rey Mysterio, R-Truth, Santino, The Great Kali, if he doesn't die on his way to the ring, Zack Ryder, Sin Cara, and Quark's favorite, Brad Maddox. So Brad Maddox is in this match. Now here's the thing. There are allegedly three open spots remaining. So you have three open spots. Now here's the funny thing. They said that the Godfather is in New Orleans, and I saw a picture on Twitter that shows that he's there. He could be a participant. Kevin Nash is there. Kevin Nash may be a participant. Sting is the, is in New Orleans for WrestleCon. He can be a participant. The Ultimate Warrior can be a participant. Like, nobody's thinking about this. Any of these guys, there's three open slots. Three open slots. Steve Austin should be in it. People would lose their minds. The problem is that with Steve Austin, it's, it's, Steve Austin, he, he's, he's been very vocal about if he's going to be involved in a wrestling capacity, it has to be something of significance what that means for steve austin who knows but think about it there's three open slots now not even take thinking of the three slots that are there my money is on antonio cesaro getting it i think cesaro is probably going to be the guy to take it if not cesaro then which is weird because in the listing here he's not mentioned even though they said the real americans are in that so that's something else Otherwise, it's it's very easy for them to give it to the big show. It really is. It's the easiest thing to do. Cesaro probably is the is the guy that deserves it. You know, Cesaro definitely is the guy. Because here's the thing: you look at this match, 
And this match is supposed to be a star-making match. So, out of the entire roster, Cesaro, maybe, Big E, or Dolph Ziggler. Those are probably the only three guys that I feel would benefit the most from winning that battle royal. You know? Jay says, three open slots sounds like a sale in the red light district. And, uh... Quark says, my actual prediction is to hype the WrestleMania 31 match against CM Punk. Quark needs CM Punk bad so... He needs he needs him bad. He needs him back so badly. It's it's probably driving him nuts. And it, and it pains me that the phones aren't working. Because we could probably have some uh, some really great conversation about that. But it's true. There's, there's three open slots. And it could be anybody. It could be Sting. It could be Warrior. It could be Rob Van Dam. Could be The Godfather. Could be your boy Kevin Nash. Could be it could be Kevin Nash walking out tearing his quad. Now, John Blade is he's like listen to me. I don't know if he's he's channeling his uh, his Armando Alejandro Estrada, but um, <laughs> he, he John Blade is gonna give us his wisdom in the chat room. He says the winner of the battle royal gets a big ass trophy and a Metro card home. Thank you, Jay. That that would be hilarious. Like yo, here's your trophy and a Metro card, or here's a better one. We're going to give you a trophy and a hundred grand. And then they give them a trophy and a hundred grand candy bar. It Come on. It, especially if it's the big show. You give it to the big show like, hey, here's a trophy of your pops. Get the fuck out of here. But seriously, I mean, any of those guys that I mentioned are probably the shoe-ins for this match. I also feel that this match is a, is a bona fide payday. It's a payday because these guys... Without people buying pay-per-view, these guys got to get a paycheck. Dark Helmet says it'll be Hogan. Hogan will break his hip before he gets to the ring. Hogan will be dead. He will be dead before that happens. Dead. You'll never see him again. Listen, look at here. The Battle Royal from, 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 from Monday night had most of the participants. And I, and I want to show you guys this because looking at the participants there, I want you guys to see the interactions. I do feel probably Big E has the best shot, but let's check this out. Because, again, even though Piper's Pit set up the segment, I think that overall there was some foreshadowing there. So check out this, this segment, tell me what you think, and we'll go to the chat right after this. Stay there. steal the spotlight just kidding that's totally my thing and that's exactly what I'm gonna do this Sunday when not only not only do I eliminate everyone in this ring and all other 29 other superstars I will etch my name in sports entertainment history you're done maybe maybe I'm not my turn all right you you, you, and you. Yeah? You're all named you. You know why? I've been around long enough to know what's going on. So let me just help you get things started. Like, Mills. Come here, pal. You're a nice kid. Nah. No. What? Oh, look out. Now, James. Now, Tolf and Titus. 
Ronnie knows how to start a party. Yeah, it's broken down in Piper's pit. Yeah, what's coming behind? Here we go. Here comes the cavalry. All these guys are a part of the Battle Royal Sunday. This never happens on Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> well, it's going to happen Sunday. With that, oh. And the crowd goes mild. He's part of the Battle Royal Sunday. And look at Mysterio and Ziggler. Mysterio. Oh. You know, Ray Mysterio is going to make his presence known. Hey, look at this now. Mysterio going. He's going to the top rope. Whoa! Look at this hurricane roll! <laughs> oh, oh, look, a broke kick. We got a call! Hey, hey, oh, look, a 619. Don't hurt yourself, Ray. Oh, another broke! Oh. That's the action you're going to see Sunday. Yeah. A ring full of 30 superstars. The big slow gonna take 20 minutes to get to the ring now. I think this is who Roddy Roddy Piper was referring to before uh, Miz interrupted the proceedings and got all of this started. Meanwhile, the brawl continues inside the ring. Look at poor Zack Ryder in a corner. And now everyone on top of Big Show. Will this be the strategy Sunday of the Battle Royal? It's that, gotta be. It could happen and it better be. You're right, King. Big Show like exploding. Uh-oh. Good Talk night, Slam Darren. Darren. Good night, Dallas. Hurrah, hurrah. Man, how are you going to earn? Who's going to pile to eliminate Big Show? Totally forgot Kofi Kingston was in there. Run. Ow! A face plant. The day the music died. The day the music died. Look at Zack Ryder get that job. There it is, that job, that choke slam, though. Yes! Big Show, eat it. Remember, it's every man for himself in WrestleMania. <laughs> what you doing? What are you doing, Ray? Oh, six one nine. Oh, oh. <laughs> right the belly. Uh oh. And I'm a good show. idea, Ray. Gonna send a message. Oh, Call 619. So looking at Rey Mysterio, I realized that Rey Mysterio looks like like a live action ultimate muscle kid. Like you ever seen those ultimate muscle action figures you get from the vending machine? That's Rey Mysterio. You basically get a Rey Mysterio every time out of a vending machine. Maybe if you pour water on him, he'll grow. And you know what's funny? Rey Mysterio... Rey Mysterio and me are pro me and him are probably about the same height. I, I crack on Rey Mysterio not because of his height, but just because he puts himself in these terrible situations. Like he comes out with these giant MC Hammer pants. I don't understand why you got to come out with giant thirty gallon garbage bags for pants when you could just as easily wear long tights and look a little look look a little bit more effective. Look a little bit more effective. And that's the thing. And then he comes out. I don't like the half mask either. The half mask looks fucking shitty. Not a fan of that shit. And again, there's 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 tons of things about poor Rey Mysterio that I'm not a fan of. And it's it's unfortunate because that guy, he's a guaranteed Hall of Famer. 
but he's on he's on the tail end of his career and WWE is just doing nothing for him. They're really doing absolutely jack shit for Rey Mysterio. Now, let's switch gears, get into the matches that everybody wants to hear about. Uh, John Cena, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt needs to win this match. Needs to win it. Couple of reasons. Number one, Bray Wyatt needs to win this match because the guy, the guy has all the tools. He has the mic work. He has the ring awareness. He has the, the work ethic. And because John Cena, if he loses the match, like I've said before, win in wins and losses, the loss won't hurt John Cena. John Cena needs to put over Bray Wyatt and put him over effectively. You need to put him over effectively. Simple as that. Bray Wyatt needs to win this match. I do feel that he is he is the most effective. He's the most effective guy on this card who can grow from a victory at WrestleMania. Bray Wyatt, all he needs is a is a is a little push. He just needs a little push, and I think a victory over John Cena on the biggest stage of them all will be the push to put him over the top and get him into the upper card. Just saying. Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, come on. Anything anything less than, than a bona fide ass whooping is is an is a no-brainer at this point. I will say this. Whether it's at WrestleMania or Monday night. Sting will make his appearance and challenge the Undertaker. If Sting, if the Undertaker beats Brock Lesnar, I almost feel like the arena is going to go dark. You're going to look up to the Raptors on the top of the on the top of the um, WrestleMania sign, and you're going to see Sting. You're going to see Sting. Definitely, I think if you don't see if if we're not being swerved with him being at WrestleCon, he's going to make an appearance at Mania, and if not, then than Raw on Monday night, but you have to take your time and build up Sting and The Undertaker. That's one of those matches that you have to take the whole year to build it. You have to take the whole year. Everybody's like, oh, John Cena and The Rock, really? You built that match for a year? That match didn't need one year to be built up. Sting and and The Undertaker, you can have an entire year, and it will work. Sting and, and, and The Undertaker, an entire year, will work each guy getting the upper hand sting doing you know his crazy uh you know crow shit the undertaker doing his stuff i think it would be a great way for both guys to go in i would probably use this match not only as sting's match to go into the hall of fame but as the undertaker's match the problem is that the undertaker streak if it ends at 23 and 0 it's gonna look very very strange I've always felt that the best way for the Undertaker to go out is 25 and 0. When you look at 25 and 0, that's a number with with weight behind it. That's a number with with incredible meaning. Like 21, 22, 23. It's like 20 and 0 or 25 and 0. Now I don't know if the Undertaker is going to be able to wrestle up to WrestleMania. You know, all the way past that. You know, we're at WrestleMania 30. And he's uh, he's going at what twenty two and zero right now, so he'd need three more years to to do that. And you know the number number twenty five should be John Cena. Yes, yep, twenty five should be John Cena. I agree a hundred percent. Just because that is the that is the last guy. Honestly, I would probably do Sting, Hogan, and, and John Cena should be the last three. 
only because him and Hogan for nostalgia, him and the uh, him and Sting obviously, and him and John Cena because who else is there? Jay says twenty four and zero looks more realistic. Of course, if the Undertaker can keep his body together, twenty four and zero could happen. But twenty five, like see Quark Quark says Hogan, what the fuck are you smoking? Here's the thing. The fate of Hogan and The Undertaker are intertwined all the way back to when these guys first started. When these guys first started and they had their feuds, people really, really got into it. That's not to say that that it's a match that's going to work, but it's a match that will have nostalgia. And it makes people think, holy shit, is Hogan going to get put over? And is he going to break the streak? See, Quark is like, yo, what the fuck am I smoking? I'm not looking at it from the standpoint of, oh, we're going to have a five-star match. I'm talking about the matches that are going to get people to, to have attention, to pay attention to the match. Now, you know, Magnum TA is saying Hogan isn't medically cleared. Again, I'm putting it out there, armchair booking. If he's not medically, if he's not medically cleared, that's fine. But think about it. When you look at, at, at matches for The Undertaker, you, look, it's either going to... If it's, if it's Undertaker and Batista, you're not going to care. You get what I'm saying? Like, you're going to look at it like you're going to look at the guys that have the most significance, the guys that have even the remotest chance of ending the streak. And yeah, you look at Hogan and you're like, ah, it's fucking Hogan. But you got to remember the buildup for that would be ridiculous just because from a from an insider wrestling fan standpoint, you're gonna be like, "Yo, is Hogan gonna do the job, or is he gonna throw a tantrum and want to break the streak?" You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different stories in that within that. Obviously, um, if Hogan's not medically cleared, whatever. But I'd like to see that. But I would have liked to have seen that when Hogan was still healthier. But you know what? The Undertaker isn't exactly running out there batting a thousand either. So. It's just, it's just something to consider. Now, again, John Cena definitely should be the last one. He should be number 25. But again, Sting needs to be in there. That's the match everybody's talked about since we were younger. That's the match that, you know, everybody, everybody's been, we, we've played this match on, on any game, on any system over the course of the last few years. Everybody's like, oh, Sting can, Sting and The Undertaker, Sting and The Undertaker. It, it has to happen. You know, now the funny thing is, Jay goes, Hogan will wrestle Taker in a wheelchair match. Hey, think of it this way. The Undertaker needs to survive a match with Brock Lesnar, who is extremely reckless. Who's to say that the Undertaker is even going to be able to wrestle next year? Because that's the thing. Undertaker is going to beat Brock Lesnar. But is he going to be worse off physically? Because the Undertaker, he goes in there, and whenever he has these matches, he's going to give it 110%, or he's going to try to. And with that is the possibility that he can end his own career. It could happen. I mean, he when he took on Triple H, and when he took on Shawn Michaels, he went in there at 110%, and it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Like, they said that when the Undertaker went in the back, he pretty much sat in a chair with, you know, with five pounds of ice, you know, on every joint in his body, on his knees, on his elbows, on the back of his neck. And this is what I'm saying. When that music hits, when that adrenaline is in there and the guy is in the zone, it's not going to matter. Not going to matter. That's why it's like, 
Hogan, he's not medically cleared, but you know what? He'll he'll fucking find a way. He'll find some shitty doctor to do that because these guys they can't escape that. They can't escape the the call of glory. They want that. They want to be in the spotlight. Do you think that Hogan wouldn't give anything to main event one more WrestleMania? That motherfucker will sell his soul to the devil himself. He will hand it to him to get one more match. That's the, that's the craziness of guys like Hogan. Hell, the Ultimate Warrior said in an interview not too long ago, he's like, yeah, I could probably do one more match. The Ultimate Warrior, a guy whose matches weren't exactly fucking three-star quality. And he's like, I'll do a match. What are you going to do? What Would you rather Ultimate Warrior and Hogan? I mean, Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker. Magnum TA says they won't clear him. He can barely walk and get into the ring. Dude, I, you have no argument from me. I watch him come out for Impact when he was over there, and he'd come out super slow. John says, that's cute. You think Hogan still has a soul? Hogan has a soul because he only gave up the soul of his wife and his daughter. That's all. <laughs> Answer for Hogan, TRT. Thank you, Val. TRT for the Hulkster. Maybe maybe he'll get a robotic spine like Batman. Maybe they'll do that after, after Bane broke Batman's back. They're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to give you spinal implants. We're going to do that. Maybe he'll just come out in a chair like Professor X and he'll have a match like that. Seriously, it's... Uh, again, armchair booking. I'd like to see it because there's only, like like I said, The Undertaker doesn't have too many guys left that he can have matches with that'll make people want to spend the money. It's Sting, Cena. Like I said, Hog- Hogan's a stretch. All right, Hogan is a stretch. You could say, oh, well, what about Warrior? Warrior cutting one of his crazy incoherent promos? Ugh. There's not much left. Undertaker's gonna go to 25 and 0. He'll go in the Hall of Fame on his 25th match, and that'll be it. All right. So Daniel Bryan and Triple H. Now, Daniel Bryan and Triple H. I've said it and I've talked about it. We need the feel-good moment. We need that feel-good Daniel Bryan, the confetti raining from the sky, all the pyro and shit, and him holding the belt. Daniel Bryan is gonna beat Triple H because. As cliched as it sounds, it is what is best for business. That's it. John says that Triple H is going to steal it. That You know what the problem is? When you do something like that, if Triple H gets into this match with the other two members of Evolution, you're, you're going to have the crowd turn against you. And that's good and bad. On the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania, you don't want the crowd to turn against your product. I, of course, you know, you can say, oh, um, Triple H, Triple H can win the match and go into, you know, go into the title match, win that, and then Daniel Bryan wins the belt from Triple H at, from Triple H at some throwaway pay-per-view. You can go that route and it might happen, but then again, it might not. And that's what I'm saying. You, like, you could do that and people will be into it, but you want that feel good moment. WrestleMania is all about sending the crowd home happy. What, even even when the Miz won his match, he still got his ass whooped by The Rock to the point where people forgot that the Miz even won. Think about it. Think, think about this: when the Miz won his match at WrestleMania, 
nobody gave a shit. Like, it was like, oh, The Miz got his ass whooped by The Rock. Like, that's what people were talking about. Nobody cared that The Miz won. Like, that's one of the few times when a heel wins and it accomplishes absolutely nothing. Zero. It, it, it accomplishes nothing. Now, again, from a fan service standpoint, from, you know, from a product standpoint, you want Daniel Bryan to be the guy that finally gets the upper hand against the authority. But WWE can stick it to the fans and put Triple H in that match. And maybe Daniel Bryan will cost Triple H the match and, you know, Randy Orton will retain. Or maybe Batista will finally win. But even though those are all match, those are all endings that are, that are possible. It's, you know, Daniel Bryan, this is the payoff. And this is what I've talked about. I've talked about this in, in past episodes. This is what WWE has been leading you to. The CM Punk departure, even, even now that, that I feel that it's legitimate, there's still a, a, a 5% part of me that feels that even CM Punk not being here is a work. I could, you know, I, 95%, I am a, I am 95% certain that CM Punk, that the CM Punk situation is real. It's 100% real. But there's 5% of me that thinks that we've been getting worked the entire time. And that Punk is going to come back at Mania and everybody's going to lose their shit. I kind of feel that that's the, that, <clears throat> like I said, five, my there's a there's a 5% chance that that's how it's going to be 5% but in terms of just how I'd like it to end I'd like Daniel Bryan to get his moment that's it you know pyro confetti maybe celebrating with the bellas you know celebrating with 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 Brie Bella that would be cool but other than that <clears throat> anything else besides that the crowd is going to turn on the product much like they turned on Batista at the Rumble. But just amplify that by 10 because you're in a giant stadium and they're just going to turn on your main event completely. You need to redeem that, you know? That's how I see it. Now, will will we get will we get Triple H in the main event? Could happen. It could. I'm not I'm not disputing that it couldn't happen, but I do feel that that Daniel Bryan, this is going to be his his moment. This is going to be it. It's going to be his moment, and and the crowd is going to go ha- go home happy. And it's going to be you know the showcase of the Immortals saw the crowning of the underdog as the face of the WWE. And then Monday Night Raw is going to be fucking insane, and that's going to be that. But again, those are my picks. I'm really bummed, you know, that we couldn't we couldn't get into this with the rest of the MTR staff. But uh, like I said, Sunday. We got we got WrestleMania. I don't know which of our team is going to be live blogging. I'm sure Jay will probably. I'm sure we'll all be involved in the WrestleMania live blog because it's going to be huge. Um, but if there's a situation where I'm not home, I'm sure Jay or, or John Blade will will hold it down for for Mania. But I will say this during the WrestleMania live blog: if you guys want to interact, and I got to remind people constantly, make sure to use the comments. The comment section and the bottom of the, of the article, of the bottom of the post, cause that way the fellas can read that and interact with your comments inside the, uh, the, the MTR live blog. So again, the WrestleMania live blog will probably start. I'm probably going to start, open it up at six o'clock. Um, 
<clears throat> whichever one of you guys is going to be handling it, I will make sure to let the audience know and you guys can join in and check out the live blog while it's going on. So be on the lookout for that. All right. So that's going to wrap up the WrestleMania side of things. I want to talk about the other wrestling news for this week. Um, I was, I was very bummed about what I read, uh, this past, or this past week, Ric Flair, uh, wrote a very, very touching statement about the passing of his son, Reed Flair. Uh, Reed Flair, it marked one year, uh, since he passed away. And, and I read it and it was probably, um, the saddest shit just because I think that one of the biggest things that's, that's affected Ric Flair, obviously besides the booze and the 19 wives that he's got to pay child support to, I think that the passing of his son really just put it over the top. And in a way, I think it also served as a wake-up call that that hard-partying lifestyle is going to catch up with you. And when I read it, it was just it was just very touching. I'm going to share it with you guys. He put, um, my dear son, Reed, one year ago today, God took you away from your family that you that loved you so much. As hard as it is to not see and be with you every day, we all know that you are safe with my parents in heaven and in a far better place than when you were here on earth. Your mom, brother, sisters, and I miss you so very much. Not a day goes by. We don't all think of you. I adored you as you did me, and I'm forever th- and I'm forever thankful for you. We traveled the world together and experienced so much side by side. I am so proud to be your father, and you will forever be my beautiful son. My world will never be the same without you. I love you, Dad. Probably the craziest, craziest thing about about this entire th- this entire turn of events is that you look at Ric Flair, you look at David Flair, um. You look at, you know, you look at this stuff and when you see this, you say to yourself, uh, and, and this is going to sound, this is going to sound crass and fucked up. And if you don't like it, turn, turn off, turn it off. I honestly thought that David Flair would be the one to kill himself. There you go. I'm sorry to say it. I thought David Flair would be the one to kill himself because he could never feel, he could never fill the shoes of his father as much as they tried as much as they pushed, as much as they tried to book him as the future, I, I, you know, I always felt that David Flair was going to be the guy that I'd open up my computer, um, one morning and I'd read that he killed, that he killed himself. You know, like I, I, and it's, and it's terrible to say, and I'm, and I'm sure some of you guys are going to be like, yo, man, that's fucked up. But I honestly felt David Flair was going to be the, 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 the guy that would kill himself. I would never in a million years thought that Reed Flair would be, would die because this is a kid that whenever they talked about him in any articles, they would say, they would say, yo man, Reed Flair, he's serious, man. He's got great amateur background. He, he understands the business. He knows what he's doing in there. And everybody's like, he is everything that David Flair isn't. So think about it. You read that on so many blogs, on so many websites, and you say to yourself, damn, this kid is going to be the future. This is the next nature boy. This is the guy that's going to carry the legacy of his father into the next generation. I would never in a million years have thought that Reed Flair would be the one that died. I'm sorry, but it's true. Ric Flair's daughter, she's killing it in NXT and she's doing, she's doing very well. And when she gets the call up, she's probably going to be a tremendous addition to the roster strictly because of her father. I'm sure that her work ethic will be okay, 
But you know what? Lacey Von Erich came from a legendary family, and she was complete shit in the ring. So, again, every family doesn't always breed the best wrestlers. You know? that That's a fact. Doesn't happen. But... The, the whole Reed Flair, David Flair thing, it was, it was touching to read and it was very sad. But like I said, I thought about it and I said, you know what? This is going to sound fucked up, but I thought David Flair was going to be that guy. You know, that's all I'm saying. Speaking of, of, of scouting talent, you know, with Reed Flair, there was an interesting article put out, uh, and it was put out by the Wrestling Observer about WWE scouting philosophy. Now, we always joke about the fact that Vince McMahon wants the biggest and most jacked up guys in the business to come into the WWE, but it seems that certain thing, even though that's the major, the major driving point, things are changing a bit. The scouting philosophy now is that they're looking for standout independent wrestlers and wrestlers that have larger physiques will definitely get a closer look. But Gerald Briscoe, who is the recruiter, has been going to NCAA wrestling tournaments to scout. And he's also been going to the independents to scout. And then what he does is that he submits his top recommendations to Triple H. Then Triple H makes the final call about them getting a developmental contract. Now, the reasoning I'm bringing, the reason I'm bringing this up is because they're changing their strategy because they're realizing that getting these big jacked up juice head motherfuckers, even though it's, it's a great thing from present, from a presentation standpoint, these guys have a limited shelf life. These big jacked up shave gorillas have a very, very limited shelf life. All I got to say is Batista, Batista tore his tricep twice. He tore his lat muscle once. This was all, I think he tore his tricep twice before even coming up to the, to the main roster. He tore his lat once while he was on the main roster. Let's talk about Ezekiel Jackson. Ezekiel Jackson is another guy, big dude, super jacked up. Where the fuck is he? Who knows? Rob Terry in TNA. Where is he? Who knows? You know? Right. Yep. Proto Proto Ryback. That's right. Limited shelf life like Ryback. That's right, Quark. Ryback injured himself and he was on the shelf for fucking years. And and that's what I'm saying. Like, like it's a changing of the guard. And I really I, I have to give credit where credit is due if they're going and they're looking at NCAA competitors and they're looking at independent wrestlers. They're doing the right thing. There's a there's way too much talent on the indies, and Jay can vouch for that. Jay goes to a lot of independent wrestling events. He can probably give you a laundry list of guys that can make it in the WWE. Excuse me, in the WWE. I can I can cite a couple of them. You know, Danny Danny DeMonto, uh, Brian XL, Panda Man, Smiley, uh, Pinky Sanchez. Uh, who else I can go down? Um, uh, Quiet Storm, Red, and not even not even because I know some of these guys. But again, these are guys that can get there. There are there are a lot of guys like Pinky Sanchez. I Pinky Sanchez. You look at Pinky Sanchez and you go, wow, that guy, that guy is a fucking psycho. And then when you see him wrestle, you realize that he has a controlled frenzy about him he is like he is like hispanic dean ambrose he really is like like if you look up pinky sanchez on on actually let me see if i can even pull up a pinky sanchez match pink exactly jay says that pinky would be the new x-pac i don't know if there's if there's let me see if i can pull up a pinky sanchez 
match. Uh, let me see. You know who else I, I can talk about? Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston is another guy that would be tremendous. Um, damn, there's... Ah, here we go. Let me see if this works. The top 10 moves of Pinky Sanchez. Let's see if I can play this and you guys can see uh, this independent wrestler, Pinky Sanchez. Check this out. Let's go to the videotape, shall we? I wasn't rooting or hooking up my buddies in the ring because I needed a ride to the show like like Mr. Lauderdale. There you go. There you go. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you nice suplex there by Gulak. As they say, he'd rather throw you than know you. And Sanchez exploding to the side of the head. The soar with the Eagles! Woo! Swan time, Dima! <laughs> oh, nice oh, kick! I Looks like he's going up to the top. It's part of his gimmick, Slick. Pinky sucking it up himself. Dragon! And... <laughs> but can he complete this offensive move? He cannot. Sanchez elevating Gulak. Oh, this could be it for Gulak. Oh! All the weight crushing down. He went for that leg drop, but found nothing. Empty pool. And Sanchez. Oh, 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 oh. Good Lord. On his shoulder. <laughs> Moore just hung himself out to dry. Devin really, Devin really in a bad situation here. And look at Stinky going for a cheap shot. And look at his buddy Lauderdale letting him do it. There you go, ladies and gents. Pinky fucking Sanchez. That guy, a lot of, you know, he, they don't get, these guys don't get a lot of credit. These guys, they talk about them on the independence, but they don't get a lot of credit. Like I said, you could talk about, you know, Homicide. Homicide is a guy, he's wrestled in TNA, but Homicide, if you want to have the belligerent, stereotypical Puerto Rican gimmick, Homicide is your guy. Love him to death. But if you want to worry about a guy stabbing you in in an alley and taking your wallet and your cell phone, homicide is your guy. If you want to do like prime time play, um, uh, crime time with some some real hardcore Puerto Ricans, you get him, Primo, Epico, Eddie Kingston, and Carlito. It'll be oh, and Savio Vega will be their mouthpiece. Anthony Nice is ridiculous. Thank you for that, Jay. Anthony Nice is a fucking problem too. A lot of, lot of solid talent out there, man. Like I said, WWE adopting this new, this new strategy is only gonna, is only gonna benefit them in the long run because these guys just have a longer, a longer shelf life. They really do. One guy that I'm sure you're gonna see this weekend and he's gonna, he's gonna get the call up. I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see him right after, uh, WrestleMania, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is actually gonna be working the Saudi Arabia tour. 
um, on April 17th, 18th, and 19th. And they're putting him in matches with Alberto Del Rio. So that's going to be very interesting. Also, Dean Ambrose is going to defend his U.S. title against Dolph Ziggler and Cody Rhodes on that tour. And then get this. Excuse me. This match, uh, John Cena, Seth Rollins, and Roman Reigns against the Wyatt family. These are, these are uh, matches that are advertised for WWE's tour of Saudi Arabia. Now, obviously, the matches are going to be subject to change, but Sami Zayn getting the call-up is very interesting because he's multilingual, and I think, if anything, he is a guy that is, that is guaranteed to benefit from a call-up. Yes, Dean Ambrose is allegedly defending the belt. Yes, John Blade, he is. He definitely is defending the belt. Um, I did want to talk about CM Punk. And a lot of people, they're speculating Punk's going to be at Mania. Punk's not going to be at Mania. But the reason, the, I, the reason I feel Punk may show up at Mania is because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Steve Austin did a, did his, one of his podcast episodes recently. And he said, and I quote, I'm telling you, I'm going to stick to my prediction that CM Punk is going to make his return at WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. I made this prediction two months ago here on the show. It's been a long time. I think he's cooled his jets. He's got some rest, and I think it's time to get back to work. I don't see him participating in a match, but it would be great to see him do a run-in and establish himself to entrench himself immediately in a memorable and great moment. I would say plant himself firmly in the middle of an angle because he could be the angle. By attacking whoever he sees fit to attack or asserting his presence, rather, whatever the case may be. But I see CM Punk coming back to WrestleMania 30. Who knows if it'll happen? We will know in about six short days when WrestleMania actually happens. So there you go. It's funny because people are like, yeah, but you know, Stone Cold could be speculating. But yeah, he might not. If anybody has some insight into the company... It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hell, Stone Cold said a couple of weeks ago that he wasn't going to be at WrestleMania. But I guarantee you, you look on Twitter, you'll see that he was at the airport in New Orleans and he's going to be at the Hall of Fame ceremony. You know, it's 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 very easy to look at it and say, yeah, Punk is just going to hang out and that's going to be that. But for a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's notorious for, for the walkout, because Stone Cold's walked out on the company, what, twice, I think, three times? He's walked out on the company and he's come back. For him to say that, he has to know something. And again, the the fact of the matter is that in, in this particular instance, Vince McMahon is the one in charge of this. He's the one overseeing the punk situation. So at the end of the day, Vince may be the one that's going to smooth things over. But I have to put merit and I have to put weight and I have to put stock in what Stone Cold Steve Austin says because he's not a guy that writes a website. He's not a guy that runs a dirt sheet. He's a guy who pretty much has his finger on the pulse of the organization. He does. It's his job to know this shit. And, you know, uh, John says, I'd still love a punk Stone Cold feud. So would I. I think it would be amazing. But in order for that to even remotely happen, there has to be there have to be guidelines. There has to be work in play to make that match work. Number one, it's got to be a very safe match because you don't want to worry. You don't want to, you know, you don't want Stone Cold to get injured. Number two, you got to figure out a way to do this match where Stone Cold and, and CM Punk, one puts the other, the other over and it continues to raise their stock. That's all I'm saying. I think, you know, I think in, in the case of CM Punk, if he comes back, 
Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to be like, I told you guys he'd come back. It's just, it's just a very, very interesting situation. And for Stone Cold to even address that, much like Vince did during the conference call when we talked about that, Vince addressed it and they were like, oh, we're CM Punk. And he's like, he's on sabbatical. And that's all he said. Nobody, nobody ever said CM Punk, Phil Brooks has been granted his release by the company. It has not happened. And with that, you have to put stock in a rumor like that, especially coming from a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's all I'm saying. So we got the Hall of Fame ceremony this weekend. Lita is being inducted by Trish Stratus. Jake the Snake Roberts is going to be inducted by DDP. Carlos Colon is going to be inducted by Carlito, uh, Eddie, and Orlando. And um, Carlito and Eddie are his sons, and his nephew Orlando is um, one of the Matadors. So Eddie is Diego from the Matadors, and Orlando is Fernando. So just just so just as crazy as that sounds, he's going to be inducted by Carlito, his son, and his nephew. Let's just leave it like that. Mr. T, of course, is going to be inducted by Hulk Hogan. Not shocked. Paul Bearer is going to be inducted by his sons. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior is going to be inducted by Linda McMahon, which is a little weird, but that's, you know, I, I was shocked that the Warrior was going to be the one that Linda McMahon is inducting the Warrior and not like Hogan or anybody else, but whatever, whatever the case may be. Scott Hall, no one, no one knows who's going to induct him. Some people are saying it's going to be Triple H. Some people are saying it's going to be Kevin Nash. Um, if anybody would probably induct him, it might be Kevin Nash. I think Kevin Nash probably would be the most, the most likely candidate, but considering that him and Hall have such a close relationship, I wouldn't be shocked if it was Nash inducting him into the Hall of Fame. All right. So that actually is going to wrap up this week's wrestling news. As always, if you have the WWE network, there's going to be tons of programming that you will be able to check out leading up to Mania. Um, the fact is, between Access, the Hall of Fame, any NXT programming, it's going to be a stacked, stacked weekend. And if you don't have the WWE Network, jump on it. There's so much great programming, so much old school stuff on there. You're definitely not going to miss out. Mr. T being inducted by Hogan. Uh, it should be Hogan and Piper, but, you know, Hogan definitely deserves the nod for that as well. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Macho Man not being in there still bothers me. Hopefully next year. Uh, one thing they've been talking about next year is that they want to induct The Rock, who allegedly is supposed to appear at WrestleMania, whether on video or not. And um, they're also saying that they might induct the NWO. So the NWO and The Rock for next year would be pretty cool. I really, really would like to see Macho Man get in the Hall of Fame. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. Again, this week's wrestling segment brought to you by wweshop.com. Use WWE Save 10, the promo code to save you $10 on orders of $70 or more. Again, wweshop.com. You can find banners with the coupon code on mytakeradio.com. All right. Let's get into some gaming news. We got so much to discuss on the gaming side of things, especially some some real real crazy stuff that came in that I want to get into. Let's get the ball rolling, shall we? All right, so on the gaming side of things, the the biggest thing that... Look at that. Clicking on it twice, it's just... It's just... I should have just taken the night off. Anyway, Sony put out a list of their 
top of their 100 upcoming games for the PlayStation 4 and it's a um it's a very very crazy list. There's a lot of titles that are that are no-brainers. Obviously Batman Arkham City uh is one that we can expect. WWE 2K15 is is another one, but here's the here's the thing. I want to go through this list because there's some titles that I'm shocked are are on this list for 2014. So out right now, they got, you know, Infamous Second Son, Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes, Outlast, um, Strider, Thief, Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, Towerfall Ascension, um, Dead Nation Apocalypse Edition. They got, they got a couple decent titles out. Now, for the spring, I want to get into what they're releasing because they got a couple of titles that I'm sure, uh, Dive Kick Edition, um, Edition Edition. So, Dive Kick A-D-D-I-T-I-O-N E-D-I-T-I-O-N. So, Edition Edition for um, Dive Kick. On top of that, also, Final Fantasy XIV, A Realm Reborn, Guacamelee, uh, Kick Beat, Lego The Hobbit, uh, MLB The Show, RBI Baseball 14. I kid you not, um, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Watch Dogs, and Wolfenstein The New Order are just some of the titles that definitely... Um, are gonna, are, are gonna take some, take some precedence there. Odd World New and Tasty. Thank you, Slick. Um, Pure Pool, Ready to Run, Secret Ponchos. No idea what some of these are. For the summer schedule, it's a very, very short list. Transformers Rise of the Dark Spark, Elder Scrolls Online, Sniper Elite 3, Pixel Junk Shooter Ultimate, Hell Divers, Final Horizon, Destiny, and Counter Spy. Now, when you get into the fall, there's um there's a couple of solid lists there. Uh Alien Isolation, Dragon Age Inquisition, Hotline Miami 2, Rocket Birds 2 Evolution, um and The Witness. Uh for the winter they have scheduled of course Assassin's Creed Unity, Raise the Dead, Hyperlight Drifter and Guns of Icarus Online. Now, the these other titles don't have release dates. EA Sports UFC which was supposed to be coming out at the end of the month Clearly not happening. Uh, Diablo 3 Ultimate Evil Edition, Drive Club. Uh, what else do we got here? Hand of Fate, Hotline Miami, Mad Max, NBA 2K15, The Order 1886, Planet Side 2, Sherlock Holmes Crime and Punishment, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth, uh, Tom Clancy's The Division, Tropico 5, and of course, like I said, WWE 2K15. Ah, thank you, Slick. Dying Light, Rogue Legacy, Samurai Gun. Slick definitely has a couple of, uh, couple of lists that he, a couple from the list that he's throwing up there. I'm kind of just picking and choosing titles that jump out. But again, this list, they released it. I think it was, it was a twofold approach. First, I feel that they released it because they want to let you know that, hey, if you think there's a drought, we got a lot of cool shit coming. But the other thing that I noticed was that they got a, a lot of decent titles that are definitely on my radar. I mentioned before that I wasn't going to jump into next gen until I could find at least three games that I can that I can pick up. So there's definitely some solid titles there. Besides that, they did announce new additions to PlayStation Plus arriving this month. Um, Ar- Batman Arkham City, you're going to be able to get it for free if you have a PlayStation Plus membership. You can get Mercenary Kings on the PlayStation 4, Stealth Inc., a clone of... Um, you're going to get Stealth Inc., and Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse for the PlayStation 3. 
uh, Velocity Ultra and Pixel Junk Monsters Ultimate HD for the PS Vita also will be appearing as well. Oh, I see that Slick is calling. Let me see if I can bring him in. Slick. Slick, are you there? Yes, no. Nope, no dice. Not working. No, it's not happening, man. I can't hear you. Oh, there you go. That did not work. So clearly, clearly we are just not, we're not going to have that this evening. Um, it's unfortunate because Slick really wanted to get into the, uh, the gaming segment this evening. And, um, Hopefully we can get all the bugs worked out and we can try it again next week. As I was saying, all these games are going to be free for PlayStation Plus members. So if you needed some incentive to hop on board PlayStation Plus, you're going to get a couple of awesome titles this month. Like I said, Arkham City definitely is a is a no brainer. And um, on Xbox Live, don't don't feel left out, Xbox Live subscribers. Uh, for the games with gold promotion, you're going to get Hitman Absolution. And then on April 16th, you're going to get Deadlight. So you're going to get Hitman Absolution available now and then Deadlight on April 16th. So like always, once you download the titles, you'll be able to play them at any membership level. So Hitman Absolution will be free on Xbox Live if you have a gold account. On April 16th, mark this down on your calendar, the other game will be Deadlight. So not a, not a bad offering from either company for the month of April. So Definitely a solid pickup. Hitman Absolution, I believe I got that from PlayStation Plus. So it's nice to see that Xbox Live Gold subscribers will be picking that up as well. Now, Slick and I had a conversation um, a couple of days back about Assassin's Creed. And he had he had shared with me some information about the vice president of Ubisoft saying that Assassin's Creed every year is something that they really have no intention of slowing down on. Now, Slick and I discussed it, and the thing I feel with that is that you can do Assassin's Creed every year, but when you're doing it every year and it starts affecting either the gameplay or the story, maybe it's time to take a break and refocus on giving us a better story. Gameplay has improved from year to year, but storytelling has been kind of stagnant, and I've talked about this, but... I'm I'm shocked that not only are they committing to releasing games every year, but in the case of this year, we're actually getting two Assassin's Creed games, Assassin's Creed Unity and Assassin's Creed Comet. So we're getting Comet, which is supposed to be on PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and Unity is supposed to be on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Now, again, I don't have any problem with a yearly Assassin's Creed game, but considering that the story has taken a, a back seat between three and four, I kind of feel that if you're going to do that, then take your time and give us some good cohesive storytelling. I just feel that three and four stories just took a turn into fucking shitsville. The gameplay was fantastic, but the stories themselves extremely, extremely lacking. For those of you that are still playing Call of Duty Ghosts, I'm sure you are picking up the brand new DLC pack called Devastation, which came out uh, earlier today, as a matter of fact, and you're going to pick up four uh, multiplayer maps, Ruins, Behemoth, Collision, and Unearth, but also you're going to get episode two of the Extinction Saga Mayday. And of course, the big one, which everybody's excited about, being able to play as the Predator. 
So very cool. You'll be able to play as the Predator and kill all your other teammates with the green screen and you'll be able to see their heat vi- you'll be able to see their body heat you know all the typical stuff that the temperature that the uh predator uses you'll be able to use in call of duty so if you're into that the brand new call of duty dlc devastation is available now slick is saying in the chat that after the Ezio trilogy trilogy they had that ubisoft has been dropping the ball you have no arguments from me on that dude i agree with that a hundred and ten percent uh, Slick also said that Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate is available on console. So if you're looking to pick that up, keep an eye out and pick it up from your local retailer. Now, the other bit of gaming news I wanted to get into is the Amazon Fire TV. The Amazon Fire TV was announced earlier this week, and a lot of people aren't looking at the the incredible significance that the release of this this particular product has. Now, For those of you that don't know, the Amazon Fire TV is Amazon's answer to Apple's Apple TV and Google's Chromecast or Google TV platform. What they're offering you is is a set-top box, probably a little wider than my phone. You're going to get a remote. It's going to have voice searching capability, and you're going to get all the usual services, Netflix, Amazon Video On Demand, etc., etc., and you'll be able to access that in full 1080p on your television now. What people haven't been giving so much credit to is the fact that for an additional $40, you can pick up a controller and you'll be able to play a whole bunch of games that are going to be released on the Amazon Fire TV platform, including Minecraft and loads of other games. Some are going to be priced extremely cheap and some others are going to be capped at maybe 3 or $4 from what I've been hearing. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it's it's... It's kind of stupid that Amazon is getting into this, and I, I disagree 110%, and I'll tell you why. We, we have freedom of choice, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, uh, Wii U, Nintendo Wii, DS, PlayStation Vita. We have all these different choices, but a platform that has been getting a lot of traffic and a lot of a, a huge, huge amount of growth has been mobile people don't realize that mobile even though it's a dollar game or a two dollar game there is a lot going on on the mobile side of things that people just aren't giving a lot of credit to and it's and it's incredibly incredibly serious that you know the mobile platform is picking up so much steam and people just look at it as an afterthought look at games like flappy bird Look at games like Angry Birds. Look at games like Infinity Blade. You know what I play a lot of? And and I'm sure some of you guys have been playing this Quiz Up. Quiz Up is basically a, a, a game where you take quizzes against other people, and that's it. And you get you get achievements and points. And it's based on different niches, and, and it's it's crazy. I mean, I'm gonna see if I can pull it up. And and I you say to yourself, why would I be playing this? Quiz Up is free. And I play it all the time. And the mobile, the mobile games are definitely gaining some steam. Here we are. I am, uh, this is quiz up right here. And as you can see, it has a couple of the other, the genres that I've been playing, like the Marvel Universe, Batman. But you can also go over and look at all these other topics, arts, business, educational, movies, music. And you're probably saying to yourself, Oh, you know what the, why would I want to play that? 
But that's what I'm saying. I'm not a big mobile gamer. Like, I don't have a 3DS. I don't have a PlayStation Vita because I like to sit down with a controller in my hand and really, really just take my time and enjoy games. But when you're waiting at a doctor's office or you're on a train or you're just looking to kill some time, mobile games have an incredible niche. Now, think about this. Those same people that don't want to be confined to their mobile device or relegated to their mobile device are going to be able to take a little a controller and it's very easy and they'll just be able to hop right on and play these games whether it's angry birds or words with friends or candy crush or whatever the case is you know you're going to be able to hop right on and play this with incredible ease now it's funny because you know, Isaiah says only 99 bucks too. I'm going to get it from my mother's house. She'll love it and she needs it. And that's what I'm saying. Like people are like, Hey, what, what point is there in, in, in picking up a device like this? And it's exactly that. Just being able to sit down and casually throw a game on and really just have a blast with it. It's, it's really what this is all about. It's just about taking a seat and, and going through the motions and really trying to get the most out of this stuff. And that's what I'm saying. That's what people really are are not comprehending. They're not understanding that you'll be able to get more accomplished by really getting into these games and really trying to look at them as extensions of other games. And what I'm saying is, like, yeah, we all would love to play Batman Arkham Knight. We all would like to play Titanfall. But occasionally you want to play Angry Birds or Flappy Bird or words with friends it happens maybe you want to play temple run for a half hour or so just to kill time because it's mindless and it's simple i think that the amazon fire tv is really changing the gaming as a whole and people aren't giving it the uh, the amount of credit that it deserves i'm not saying that you're going to be playing sonic and mario on it but who knows it could happen but some of the other mobile games that have been making a lot of noise and a lot of revenue You'll, you'll, you'll really appreciate a device like this. Isaiah says, anyone who thinks mobile and things like Fire and Apple TV is not the future is in denial. It is very true. You have no argument for me. We are, we are evolving as a, as a, as a species to consume content from unconventional means. And what I'm saying is, who would have thought 20 years ago you would be able to take your phone, run an HDMI cable, and watch video on your television. Who would have thought that you'd be able to wear a watch that would tell you when you get an email? Like, things have evolved so fast and so quick. That Well, they've evolved so fast, and not only that, but they, they've made us so advanced that at times we forget certain pieces of technology that make our lives easier. Think about this device, the Amazon Fire. Maybe for, for a guy like myself or, or even a guy like Slick who, who, you know, we utilize a lot of hardware, a lot of technology. I'm sure that we would pick up a box like this for one of our family members that may play just a couple of casual mobile games and like to watch Netflix and HBO Go. They would, they would probably love something like this because it's easy. Not only that, but I also like the fact that the remote also functions as a microphone, so you are able to input voice commands. Not, you're not doing like the Connect where you walk in and you have to yell at your system, Xbox on, Xbox this, to get it to do things. You just talk into the mic, into the uh, remote control, and you get what you have to do handled. Now, the thing about this is that 
for, for those people that may be hearing impaired, something like that may work for them. And again, this is where the advances of technology are are really leaps and bounds ahead of so many things. And people just, they'll sit there and complain. Why are you putting this out for $100? Why don't you have better games? Do you really want to play, you know, a game like Tomb Raider or something of that magnitude on a $100 console? No. Unless the graphics are amazing. No, that's not going to be the case. This, this, this particular platform has a niche and Amazon is doing the right thing by capitalizing on it. It's a hundred bucks. You know, I had, I had a, I had the, I have Google TV. I picked up a Chromecast and because I have Fios, it doesn't play nice with the Chromecast, but the Google TV platform, I use it every day because the remote is smaller than my phone. It has a full QWERTY keyboard on the back. And if you buy the updated remote, you can even do voice search, which is quite nice. I like having a browser on my TV. I like having picture in picture. I like being able to, if I'm playing a game, I can pull up uh, something for the site at the drop of a hat. It's, it's, it's very, very promising technology. And for anybody that, that views this as, you know, hokey, um, vaporware, you are, you're sadly, sadly mistaken. That's all I'm saying. So Nintendo was in the news this week and actually it is for something good. And that is Mario Kart 8. Mario Kart 8 is ridiculous. I actually looked at it and I looked at all the videos for it and I saw it and I really felt that Nintendo has, is finally giving people something that will make them want to pick up a Wii U. Mario Kart 8 has all all the bells and whistles that we've seen in other Mario Kart games, but it also has brand new characters, a brand new Rainbow Road, thank you, Slick, uh, brand new music, uh, great control scheme, different characters that we've never seen, including Metal Mario, uh, Shy Guy, um, a host of other ones, including Bowser's Koopalings. So there's definitely a lot of great characters, a lot of great improvements to the game, and this is what I was saying. This is what Nintendo needed. Nintendo needs something like this. You know, you got 16 remix courses plus 16 new courses. It's There's plenty of replay value. And not only that, but you'll be able to utilize a ton of different control schemes. Wii U gamepad, Wii U pro controller, the Wii wheel, the remote, the nunchuck. You can even play it on the Wii U gamepad as well. It is a beautiful looking game that truly pushes the limits of the Wii U. I think that overall... There is an incredible amount of of just really, really innocent and enjoyable fun in this brand new Mario Kart game. And I really feel when we talk about games that move systems, Mario Kart is one of those games. Mario Kart, any Mario title, Smash Brothers, they're all games that will move Nintendo consoles. And the more of those that we get, the better off Nintendo will be in the long run. Isaiah said, just went to GameStop the other day and the line to reserve the Wii U and Mario Kart 8 was insane. And that's what I'm saying because we're talking about next-gen consoles and next-gen consoles aren't really giving us, and I talked about this last week and the week before, they're not giving us anything that's making us run out and buy a console. You know, Slick, we were talking about Infamous Second Son and how good of a game it is and sure, it looks really good. But again, for those of us that aren't that aren't familiar with the infamous universe we don't know shit about it we just know oh it looks cool but is it cool enough to make me want to spend four hundred dollars 
Now, when you talk about a system like the Xbox One, Xbox hedged their bets on Titanfall. They were like, oh yeah, Titanfall is going to move a lot of units. Everybody's going to go crazy. They're going to love this shit. And Titanfall came and went. And yeah, it sold a lot. And I can't wait for the MPD numbers to really put it together. But all in all, it wasn't, it wasn't setting the world on fire. Like Titanfall is great and it looks beautiful, but I just don't feel that it's moving systems the way they would, the way that Microsoft was hoping like Halo did. You got to remember instances like Halo and things like that. It's, it's lightning in a bottle. You know, you capture it once in a while. It's not something that's consistently going to happen. You know, it's like, it's like Strider says Titanfall was Call of Duty with pure multiplayer. And that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people, they weren't digging that. And that's what I mean. Like, like Nintendo, they said, here's Mario Kart eight. Look at this shit. Isn't it awesome? It has all the shit you love buy me and people that that are familiar with the quality of nintendo they're gonna say hey mario kart 8 is gonna be a game that i'm gonna play two years from now three years from now if they don't put out another mario kart i can play this game for a long time and that's that's the beauty of nintendo you know it was something that i really appreciated i like i said i played the last mario game in best buy at a kiosk I played the new Donkey Kong game and the demo for Mario Kart. And I honestly said to myself, shit, I kind of want to buy a Wii U. And it's crazy. Like, yeah, I want to buy an Xbox One or a PS4, but I'm genuinely looking at a Wii U like, hey, man, I might pick that up. Because there, there's actually four or five games that really look worth picking up. Like I said, Donkey Kong, Mario Kart, the new Mario game. Excuse me. Uh, Lego City Undercover, which Slick showed me, and I got to actually play briefly, and I thought it was it was tremendous. Like all that hype that was behind that game, Slick Slick was a hundred percent spot on, and that's what I'm saying. Like Nintendo's actually got a nice catalog that is making the system look incredibly appealing. How that how that bodes for for Nintendo in the next couple of months with E3 and and PAX next week? remains to be seen but at least mario kart 8 gives me hope and it shows me that nintendo is actually starting to take notice and give a shit and put out games that people really really want to play like i said how successful they'll be remains to be seen now the last bit of gaming news i wanted to discuss is microsoft they had a um they had an event earlier this week and they were talking about enhancements to windows 8.1 and enhancements to Windows Mobile. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Rich, why the fuck are you talking about this? This has nothing to do with gaming. Aha! Aha! It does! What is this, Velvet? This is beautiful! No, seriously, I mean... Microsoft announced, get this, a brand new universal application method which is going to allow apps to be built for Windows, Windows Phone, but also for Xbox One. How crazy is that? Microsoft said that it's going to extend the universal app creation into the Xbox console. So what's going to happen is that everything that's under Xbox, Windows Mobile, and and Windows uh, Windows Home, they're all going to work together in synergy. Now, this is great because this is going to open up a lot of development opportunities for us to see some really cool shit on the Xbox One. 
as well as on Windows Mobile and Windows Home. Because personally, I've used Windows Mobile and it's not terrible. It's really not. I'm a hardcore Android user now, but that's just because it's what works for me in at this stage. But Windows Mobile, it's not as shitty as you would think. It's actually quite, quite impressive. And it has a couple of features that I really, really like. But allowing the app development cycle to now not only start at the at the top with your PC, but also go into your mobile device and your Xbox, it's going to lead to some really, really cool stuff. So I was I was actually very impressed with what Microsoft is doing. And um, I'd, I'd like to see where they're going to go and how they're going to utilize this to its fullest potential. The company said there are 80 million televisions in the world linked to Xbox consoles. And, you know, I, I really have to give credit to Microsoft ever since the new CEO took over and Steve Ballmer's out of there. Microsoft is really taking a step in the right direction. If you are an, an iPad owner, you know, Microsoft Office on the iPad is, is pretty badass. It looks really good. I was, er <clears throat> excuse me, I was thoroughly impressed with how good it looked. I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, it's not a super awesome experience, but it's, it's pretty solid. I wouldn't have thought a year from now, you know, a year ago that, <clears throat> excuse me, that I would be seeing Microsoft Office on an iPad. I would never in a million years thought that that was going to happen. And it looks, it looks damn good. Like I said, the real question is going to be how they're able to, to tie together home, PC, and console with applications that'll be useful. How well they pull that off, like I said, remains to be seen. All right. That is going to wrap up our gaming segment for this week. Let's get into some entertainment news. There is quite a bit to discuss. We got some what the fuck movie news. There's a couple of trailers that I actually want to share with you guys and discuss. So let's get right to it and take it home, shall we? Why? Boy, do I have a lot of editing. <laughs> I have a lot of editing to do. Anyway, so on the entertainment side of things, the first thing I want to I wanna talk about is um, Terminator Genesis. Now, Terminator Genesis has been picking up a lot of steam. Arnold Schwarzenegger's been talking about a lot of stuff. But we actually got some casting news, which are very interesting. Um, Dale Okenyi, who was in The Hunger Games, has been cast as the son of Miles Dyson. Now, Miles Dyson, if you remember was the guy that had the Terminator arm in T2. So what's going to happen is they're going to use this brand new film, Terminator Genesis, which I talked about, that's going to jump into different different aspects of the previous films. Dyson was played by Joe Morton in T2 Judgment Day, and he was the scientist that created Cyberdyne Systems that eventually became Skynet. So it's going to be interesting to see how they, they jump into those particular sides of the story with all these characters. Now, the thing that gets me is that you're going to see, you know, that there's there's a couple of instances where they're going to allegedly jump into scenes from T2 and scenes from um Terminator 3. I don't know how they're going to how they're going to pull that off, but I really do think that they're going to it's a recipe for disaster if it's executed poorly. That's all I'm saying. I really feel that there's a lot going on that's just not going to work right. 
again, how it how it pans out is is anyone's guess. But to jump back in time, so to speak, and take the events of T2, T1, and even T3 to a degree are, you know, it, it it's it's cause for concern because it can go very, very bad. That's all I'm saying. But I like that they're involving characters that we know, like the son of Miles Dyson, things like that, because that stuff is going to really, it's going to add some interesting dynamics to the story. Like I said, uh, the Terminator Genesis is, they got a really good cast, Amelia Clark, Jai Courtney, Jason Clark, Alan Taylor's a solid guy. You know, he, he worked on Thor and he's going to be directing it. So again, there's a lot of things that look promising. So I'm going to cross my fingers and hope it does not suck. In some what the fuck movie news, the first bit is going to involve Sharknado. The Sharknado sequel will be hitting the television on July 30th on Sci-Fi at 9 p.m. So Sharknado 2 will be taking place here in New York City. Ian Ziering, of course, is coming back and Tara Reid's character of April. So again, mark that on your calendar. Sharknado 2 hitting the airwaves July 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes, Isaiah, Sharknado 2 is happening, and they were actually filming in the city. Maybe you could have wandered over there and seen if you could pop up on television. They got so many different people popping up in this movie. Um, they got members, I believe, from Good Morning America. They got random celebrities. It's it's ridiculous. It is completely ridiculous. But they're, they were filming it in the city um, a couple of weeks back. So, look, Sharknado's not Oscar-worthy television in the least. So... Don't expect it to be, but it's it's cool that they're doing it in New York. Anything that brings revenue to the city is always nice. So there you have it. July 30th, Sharknado 2. Now, this this shouldn't come as a shock to anyone, but it did come as a shock to me that they're going to do a sequel to Magic Mike. And get this, because, you know, dick jokes out the ass. Magic Mike Double XL is the sequel Greg Jacobs will be directing it. Jacobs was the longtime assistant director of Magic Mike, Steven Sodberg, who did the first one. And, um, you know, Magic Mike was, listen, it, it is what it is. It's a movie about male strippers. Um, some people, you know, it's pretty much an autobiography of Channing Tatum's life. Take a, make of that what you will. But yes, there is a sequel to Magic Mike and it will be called Magic Mike Double XL. Horrifying as it is. But it is happening, ladies and gents. There is no other announcement with regards to a release date, but it, it is happening. It definitely is happening. Harry Potter fans will be pleased to know that they will be doing three films based on the spinoff book, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So there you have it. If you're a Harry Potter fan, the spinoff series, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, will be getting three films. So if you can't get enough of Harry Potter... Be on the lookout because you will have three films that take place within the Harry Potter universe. I'm actually looking forward to that because the Harry Potter films are definitely a guilty pleasure. And I'm curious to see how they bring this franchise to life. So, of course, when I hear more news, I will definitely share it with you guys when it happens. So, in a, in a, in a shocking twist, the box office totals for this week, I'm going to read them in reverse because I want you guys to to really let it sink in what was the number one movie at the box office. Uh, number 10 was Nonstop. Number 9 was 300, Rise of an Empire. Number 8 was Need for Speed. 
Number seven was Sabotage. Number six was the Grand Budapest Hotel. Number five, God's Not Dead. Number four, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Number three, Muppets Most Wanted. Number two was Divergent, earning $26.5 million, bringing its total to 95.3. Now, the number one movie in the box office, get this, was Noah. Darren Aronofsky's interpretation of the Noah's Ark uh, story from the Bible made $44 million, knocking Divergent to the number two slot. Now, of course, we know Captain America and the Winter Soldier is officially in theaters, so Noah's reign at number one is going to be over rather quickly. But I was actually quite shocked because I really didn't think that the action, the action hero Noah of Noah's Ark would be enough to really take over the box office, but oddly enough, it did. A lot of people jumped in and they really, they really put it over the top and it wasn't even close. Like I said, Divergent made $26.5 million and Noah made 44 million out of the gate. So definitely, um, pretty, pretty impressive, uh, box office take for an opening weekend. Now, like I said, the captain came into the theaters earlier tonight and it's going to own the box office all the way through April, probably until Spider-Man comes out. That's all I'm saying. 300. Yeah, definitely. It did fall dark helmet, but 300 has made 101 .1, $101 million. So, you know, for, uh, for a movie that's in the number nine spot and have a hundred million dollars under its belt, it's not a big deal. Definitely not. It feels like every week Frozen is the is the topic of discussion on My Take Radio. This week the news is, the news is that Frozen has become the highest grossing animated film of all time. It's made uh it is Frozen is Walt Disney Studios' seventh billion dollar release and has earned three hundred ninety eight point four million dollars at the domestic box office and six hundred seventy four million dollars overseas. So it is officially now a billion dollar animated feature. Uh, props to the guys at Disney for it. And, you know, it's it's pretty cool. You know, a billion dollar franchise for Disney is never a bad thing. Of course, they got the Avengers and a couple of other uh, titles under their belt. But it is now the highest grossing animated film of all time, knocking off Toy Story. So there you have it. In some unnecessary sequel news, let's talk about Top Gun 2. Top Gun 2 is still going to happen. They've been trying to get it to theaters, and allegedly the plot is going to involve Maverick, played by Tom Cruise, facing off against drones. Now, obviously, this is partially to bring the film into our time now, but the, the focus on drones has been something that's been happening in a lot of films as of late, so I'm not shocked that they're going to go that route, but we're really, we're really going to get another Top Gun? Why? There's no necessity, absolutely no necessity whatsoever. Now, as I said earlier, Captain America is hitting theaters and is going to knock Noah off its perch. But get this, Captain America and the Winter Soldier has earned $75.2 million in the box office already. It opened in theaters March 26th. The film opened at number one on all but 32 markets. So... There you have it. Captain America internationally, $75 million out of the gate. So again, international market, $75 million and it hits theaters, you know, within the last couple of hours. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be insane. It is going to be 
insane. Captain America and the Winter Soldier, $75.2 million already under its belt. Now, we got to talk a little bit about Fantastic Four and the reboot. Last week, we were talking about the potential candidates for Doctor Doom. Well, this week, I am pleased to announce that they have finalized casting and Toby Kebble from uh, Wrath of the Titans will be playing the role of Doctor Doom in the upcoming Fantastic Four reboot directed by Josh Trank. So there you have it. Of course, Michael B. Jordan as Human Torch, Jamie Bell, Miles Teller, and Kate Mara round out Marvel's first family, and Toby Kebble, like I said, will be Doctor Doom. Oh, Christ. I, I can't. I can't even I can't even say how I truly feel about this because Fantastic Four is just a recipe for disaster. It doesn't connect with audiences. It really doesn't. And rebooting it, maybe it'll 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 get something, but Fantastic Four just never resonated with audiences because it's not it's not like Spider Man, it's not like Batman, where where there's a lot of layers to their story. They are Marvel's first family. And honestly, they're pretty fucking boring. That's all I'm saying. So, the other bit of sequel news, and, I, and I'm sure some of you guys are going to cringe at this, Paul Blart, Mall Cop, Part 2, in theaters, April 17th, 2015. Obviously, Kevin Smith needs to buy a lifetime supply of hoagies, because his previous hoagie supply ran out with the money from the first Paul Blart film. So, a second Paul Blart. Here's the crazy part. The first Paul Blart film had a $26 million budget. It made $183 million worldwide. How is that possible? (laughs) Sadly, it is. It is possible, and it's disturbing. So, I mentioned on the fan page that we were going to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, we're going to talk about the Ninja Turtles because... We saw the trailer for Ninja Turtles um, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about it, and everybody was pretty much complaining that the turtles had noses, which whatever, all turtles have noses. Just because they don't didn't have noses in the first one doesn't mean that turtles don't have noses. Make of it what you will. It's not the biggest thing to complain about in the world. I do feel that the casting leaves a lot to be desired. Now, before I get into into what exactly is happening with the turtles i wanted you guys to become reacquainted with the trailer check this out crime violence and fear have run rampant our great city is being destroyed People want justice restored to this world. People want heroes, Miss O'Neill. But heroes are not born. They're created. That's what your father and I were trying to do. Create heroes. Uh, 
No, 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 whoa, whoa, chill. It's just a mask. See? Don't freak out. Right? <sighs> All right. So, with that said, we know that the whole thing with the turtles, Ninja Goombas, Ninja Shreks, listen, the whole thing about the nostrils, I don't care. I don't care about the nostrils. Now, the origin of the turtles with April's father and the Shredder being the ones that created the turtles, that is a little bit concerning. There's definitely cause for concern there. Now, here's the kicker. The other three guys that are playing the turtles, one of them is Alan Richson, who was in, uh, you know, Blue Mountain State. He played Aquaman in Smallville. He's all right. He's a cool actor, whatever. Here's the kicker. Johnny Knoxville is going to be the voice of Leonardo. Good evening, ladies and gents. My name's Leonardo, and welcome to Jackass. That's all I can think of. Johnny Knoxville is the voice of Leonardo. So you know that scene where Raphael crashed into that truck? All I heard in my head is, my name's Leonardo, and welcome to Jackass. That's all I heard when you saw it. That's why I wanted to show you the trailer. Think of that voiceover but of, of the turtle hitting the truck and and Johnny Knoxville saying welcome to ja- to Jackass. Cuz that's all I saw. Like this. It gets better. I'm sure a lot of you guys that are familiar with USA programming know the TV show Monk. The lead actor was Tony Shaloub. Tony Shaloub from Monk is going to be the voice of Master Splinter. You know? Now, here's the crazy thing. What happened to Mako? Is Mako dead? Mako, of course, was one of the, was the guy who voiced Master Splinter, and a lot of you guys may recognize Mako from the Conan movies. He's not dead. Not that I'm aware of, so why couldn't he be the voice of Splinter in this movie? He is dead? Aw, oh, man. Thank you, Slick. I did not know that. I did not know that. Thank you, Slick. I I was not aware. Damn. All right, so scratch that. Now we know Mako is dead. Thank you. <laughs> but seriously, there's nobody out there that can play an old, wise uh sensei rat. How about um Kari Tagawa? Why can't Kari Tagawa play Splinter? You know? Like that's uh, George Takei is a stretch, dude. But but Kari Tagawa would be good for those of you. Let me give you a character he's played: Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat. That guy, Kari Tagawa. Kari Tagawa would make an awesome Splinter. He has the voice. He has a nice low pitched voice that works. Slick says to me, Mako died. He was General Iroh in Avatar. He died before that show ended. You know how why I don't know that? Because I didn't watch Avatar. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> oh, man. But George Takei, it's hard, man. I don't know. It's just I'm so used to him like, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I'm just used to him doing voices like like Howard Stern, like that, like like that type of over the top, you know? Well, maybe I'm wrong. All right. Considering that Isaiah Slick... Strider, they all feel that, that, jo- all right, George Decay, Dark Helmet, all right, guys, all right. <laughs> Isaiah says he can control the game. It's, it's not even that. I just feel that when I, he- when I see him, 
I always view him as Sulu and as the guy on Howard Stern. Like, I don't view him as a, as a separate actor because nine times out of ten, he's playing himself, which is weird. I didn't know that, but all right, I'll give you that. George, all right, so George Takei over Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub, Splinter is going to be voiced by Monk. Just let that sink in. Let it sink in. That Leonardo is going to be jackass and Splinter is going to be Monk. Just let that sink in because it is insane. It is ridiculous. Like, I'm watching, I'm like, yo, are you kidding me? Really? Fucking craziness. Craziness. In some, in some Blu-ray news, I wanted to kind of put this out there. Troma Entertainment announced that Blu-rays, uh, the uh, Lloyd Kaufman's Toxic Avenger is coming to Blu-ray. So if you are a fan of the Toxic Avenger, you'll be able to pick that up on Blu-ray later on this year. There is no street date right now, but definitely one that's worth picking up. Mark Wahlberg as Raphael, I could live with. Mark Wahlberg as Raphael, I have no problems with that. That's a, that's a solid choice there, Strider. I could have worked with that. I could definitely have worked with Mark Wahlberg as Leonardo, just talking in that real deep, shitty, uh, shitty act. Jackie Chan as Splinter. Holy shit, that's a good one too. Jackie Chan as Splinter would have worked. I wouldn't mind that. And yeah, it's easy to say, oh, why well, you got to pick an Asian guy to play a rat? I don't know. Fucking sensei. As stereotypical as it sounds, you know, Splinter was Hamato Yoshi. Last time I checked, Hamato Yoshi is an Asian name. His name isn't Bob Phelps. You know? That's what I'm saying. Like, Hamato Yoshi, Shredder's Orokusaki. Shredder in this one is the guard from the fucking Longest Yard. Oh, yeah, in the original comic, that's right. Hamato Yoshi, uh, Splinter was Hamato Yoshi's rat. You're right, Slick. I haven't read... I haven't read an old Ninja Turtles comic in years, but that is true. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like you're, you're basically, you're, you're doing all this crazy casting and you're trying to reinvent the wheel. Let me explain something to you. Let me put it in simple terms Four turtles that are mutants that just happen to be ninjas. Their sensei is a rat. You understand? It's very simple. Four mutant turtles. One mutant rat, fight a fuckload of ninjas, hang out with a reporter, eat lots of pizza. That's it. Fight other mutants. You know, Rocksteady and Bebop. Not Tokar and Razor. Rocksteady and Bebop. Fucking Krang. Oh, but Shredder! I'm Krang! Like, that's what we need. Krang, Baxter Stockman, fucking ninjas. That's what we need. I don't care about turtles with nostrils. That's fine. But seriously, you know, Krang, can I have a brain in a giant fucking android robot? Can I have that? That's it. Can I have Baxter Stockman turn into a fucking fly? Can I have the Rat King? Anyone? The Rat King? How about the Rat King? I could, I could live with that. I could live with the evil snapping turtle ninja turtle. Live with that too. But Rocksteady and Bebop. 
That's all I need. All I need is that. Just him yelling at them. But boss, the turtles went in the sink, boss. I don't know what to do. Come on. Really? People are worried about nostrils. I'm worried about Leonardo being jackass, Monk being splinter, and Shredder being a white guy. <laughs> like, I'm more worried about that. The foot soldiers are there. The foot soldiers are, we got those. But everything else, it's like, really? Like, Michael Bay, pretty much, he took the entire, th the entire mythology of the turtles and said, yeah, that's not going to matter. Yeah, Uncle Phil is dead. That we know. He was the original Shredder. But seriously, like, I'm just saying, like, if you're going to go with, let's say they want to go with, you know, um, Orokusaki as Shredder. That's not hard. There you go. Orokusaki, done. But it's like, Shredder's the guard from the Longest Yard? Really? He's that guy? He's the guy that tried to shoot Bruce Willis in Armageddon? He's that guy? Get the fuck out of here. It just, it just, it, it, it trips me out. Like, everybody's worried about nostrils. I don't care about the nostrils. I don't care that they look like Goombas. I don't care that they look like, like Shrek. I don't care that they look, that, that's not my concern. My concern is the fact that the basic framework just got tossed out the fucking window. Some people were like, oh, the turtles are too big. They are fucking mutants. Who cares? Let's not split hairs. So much bullshit. So much. So, I wanted to talk about, and this will be, this will kind of wrap things up. I did check out some, some trailers, and I shared some trailers on the site earlier this week, and I wanted to get into some of the trailers. Now, we all, we all know that, you know, the Expendables, I'm gonna put that trailer on the site, but the thing that gets me with the Expendables is the roll call. Because I didn't realize how many fucking people Stallone crammed into the Expendables. It blew my fucking mind. Like, I'm like, holy shit, he got that guy in the movie? So I wanted to share this with you guys because I didn't know that this many guys were involved in this film. Check this out. On time, you boys showed up. Lots to digest. <laughs> Clearly, there are a lot of old motherfuckers getting paid for this film. A lot. Now, I didn't know that they got Antonio Banderas in there. I knew that they had got Wesley in there, and I knew they had Harrison Ford in there. And, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, Slick says, Snipes is like gonna pay taxes. It's funny because when they break him out of jail, supposedly there's a scene where they go, hey, man, what were you in jail for? And he was like, I didn't pay my taxes. 
he legitimately said that according to what a lot of a lot of people are saying so they actually had a good a, a couple of laughs with it listen the expendables is not oscar winning you know material it is not the end all be all it's just solid 90 minutes of shit getting blown up and us feeling nostalgic that's all it is so allegedly this is supposed to be the final film and stallone's going to be done with this one and if that's the case fine you know it's all good but if not you know these films they don't cost nothing to make it's cool to see all these guys together and they look like they're really having an awesome time it definitely is nostalgic to say the least but i wanted to share it with you guys because before i put it on the site i didn't realize that there were so many like like antonio banderas i'm like really they got antonio banderas in there holy shit and mel gibson of course mel gibson needs a payday because pretty much hollywood hates his guts so you know Mel Gibson, it, I, I understand Wesley Snipes needs the payday, but fuck, Mel Gibson needs the payday as well. Anyway, with that said, that is actually going to wrap up the show for this week. So um, let's let's end this debacle because there's so much editing that has to be done, so much cleanup. So let's take it home, shall we? You've just heard My Take Radio episode 222, fourth, uh, well, excuse me, uh, My Take Radio episode 222 for Thursday April 3rd, 2014. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at My Take Radio. Become a fan on Facebook. Follow our Tumblr blog, MTR Extras, on Tumblr. You can also add us to your circles on Google+. And for the best My Take Radio experience, pick up the My Take Radio app available for Android ios and windows devices for windows obviously the windows store for ios apple um, itunes and last but not least for android devices the amazon android marketplace otherwise you can find archived episodes on stitcher tune in radio reruns on gfq and of course you can find us on itunes now if you are getting the show from itunes please take a moment and rate the show We'd really, really appreciate it. Last but not least, of course, uh, make sure to get involved on the Facebook fan page. Try and make sure to set notifications so you can get all our updates. Otherwise, you can find our updates on some of the other social media outlets we discussed. On behalf of myself, Slick, Jay, Quark, Blade, and the rest of the MTR family, I will catch you guys next week. Let's get the hell out of here, shall we? What outro music is going to take us out this week? Uh, you know what? Let's go with a little bit of OC Remix. And um, we're going to go with... Um, you know what? Let's go with Sonic the Hedgehog's 2... The Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Disjointed Chemical by Air3S. Available at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. Remix.org.